is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, April 25th, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, glow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family, always cranking out the big, big savings down at MyPillow. When you enter promo code stake at checkout, you're going to enjoy those savings, such as MyPillow version 2.0, buy one, get one free, and massive savings on everything from MyPillow dog beds, the Erlendell, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched the My Coffee. It's available in the Bean, the Bag, and the Pod. You enter promo code stake here, you're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, banging out three shows in one week, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, and to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Welcome, Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 233. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Alan Jacoby's gonna be joining us in just a minute today. Guys, we've got a big show. Grant Stitchfield's in for the first time. Jim Nels is coming back, and we're going to be sitting down with investigative reporter John Solomon. Joe Biden's announcing his intent to run for president again. Ron DeSantis is in Japan, and Donald Trump just keeps winning. Before we get into any of our interviews, let's jump right into the news. All right, and everybody, welcome to the show today. This is Steak for Breakfast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back. As advertised, Alan Jacoby's in today. He's sitting third chair. Alan, how's it going? What's up, boys? Still Alan this week, right? Not Adam? Yeah, we're going with Alan. Got to get Troy Nails back on the show soon. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's got- Tucker Tuesday. Oh, there you go. Well, consequently, that's what we're going to be talking about in our first segment here. So the dust is settling after the big shocking announcement yesterday that Tucker Carlson and Fox News has split. There's still a lot of questions to how it officially ended. We have heard from... Numerous sources citing that Fox told Tucker at the end of the recording of his show on last Friday uh, that he would no longer be with the network. But we also hear that behind closed doors they had been, 
I guess, negotiating or maybe trying to have him controlled a little bit more than he's been on his show for the last year, year and a half, than more controlled opposition? Well, for everyone that's been saying that he is. He might not be. Yeah, he, he definitely might not be. So when you look at some of the stuff, and we'll get to it in just a bit, that he's ran with over the course of at least the last year, it makes the case uh, for. Yeah, he's definitely, if he was controlled opposition, he woke up and was just like, you know what, fuck you guys. He was definitely yep. operating in his own lane. Um, and uh, pretty shocking. What was even more shocking is who they decided to uh, load the Fox lineup with last <clears> night. <throat> oh, so, my God. Uh, load? Such a loser. See where I'm going with this. Ron DeSantis ball washer, Brian Kilmeade, <laughs> sat in for Tucker Carlson. I couldn't imagine anybody literally worse to sit in than that. And uh, let's just hear real quick the big send-off that Tucker Carlson's time slot gave him as Kilmeade started the news. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Fox News Tonight. I am Brian Kilmeade. As you probably have heard, Fox News and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways. I wish Tucker the best. I'm great friends with Tucker and always will be. But right now, it's time for Fox News tonight, so let's get started. It's Nine seconds. Mike, Mike, so great, great so friends with Tucker. Give me a break. Nine seconds. Yeah. Oh, wow. A moment of silence. <laughs> for Brian Kilmeade's career. It's it, it, it was it was an interesting day, and then you know we'll get to it a little bit later in the show. Fox News decided to bless everyone with a live from Japan and with the sun directly shining into his eyeballs the entire time. A boomer exclusive interview between Sean Hannity and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's not running for president. He's on a book no, tour no. about how awesome Florida is in Japan right now. Is he? There are there no. are packs running. Is he big in Japan? Noah's visibly confused. <laughs> Like, you know, th there are packs out there running presidential election commercials, campaign commercials for Ron DeSantis. I saw three different ones yesterday on Newsmax, literally at the end, Ron DeSantis for president. So, so we, I, really weird. And, and you know, you want to know what? We can give you guys a whole bunch of noise today and have everybody from like the Republican Party and other commentators weigh in with their two cents on what they think happened with Tucker Carlson. But if we're going to open up with the Tucker Fox breakup, let's try to give you as much single as possible. I think one of the godfathers of conservative speak, literally and metaphorically, Dr. Ron Paul sat down on his podcast yesterday. I showed Noah the video. Ron Paul's podcast co-host is an exact carbon copy. Oh my God. I, I asked <laughs> if it was actually the guy. Of Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. Are you sure it's not the guy? I mean, he's even wearing like the leisure suit type-ish <laughs> outfit. And, Pee Wee. Uh, <laughs> the one piece like old man, like double pocket shirt. The guy would have not been able to age like 40 Yeah, because he looks like, like we literally pulled up a clip from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And I had it on my screen when you flipped your phone around to me and I was just like, it was a carbon fucking copy. It was amazing. Did they say who the guy's name was on the podcast? Did they introduce him? What yeah, is that? Francis. <laughs> not Francis. <laughs> Anyways, let's hear Dr. Paul weigh in on not exactly what the glam factor of this is, but what the ripple effects could be. Her out at Fox. Yeah. See, wow. I wonder how many people predicted it yesterday. Yeah. You know, I don't think there was any whispers that, oh, that Tucker better watch out. He might get fired. <clears throat> but Tucker 
Tucker has his own story, and he's he's not going to get fired from the public view, and the people are still going to be interested. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, it did come up rather suddenly, and you wonder how. I think his show was doing pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it was catching on. <laughs> but then again, how do you figure this all out? But uh, there'll be a lot of speculation, and it might it might take a day or two to hear all the rumors and everything that went on. Yeah, someone referred to it as an earthquake, and I would say definitely an earthquake. I mean, I don't know if it's ever happened in history without some sort of major scandal that a person has the number one news program in the entire country and has had it for years, uh, and if he was fired and is fired for it, I mean, it's unprecedented. Certainly, I mean, usually when you're successful in a business yeah, right. and you make a lot of money for your company, well, you actually do better uh, rather than get fired. So, you know, we can't really speculate. We don't know what's behind it. Um, I think maybe you mentioned it a second ago that maybe he'll even make more money outside of Fox News nowadays because we see a lot of independent journalists making successful goes at it. I, I don't think he's going to live in poverty. No, I don't <coughs> think so. Maybe he'll come. Maybe we'll get him to speak at our conference oh, yeah. <laughs> about new about censorship. That would be a good one. There you go. Maybe they can get him to speak about doing a little bit better job of wiring their studio as well. Mm. But a uh, throat lozenge can't all be safe for breakfast. Hey, listen. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff Tucker's been working on hard for the last couple of years and, and that he's been getting out there on his show. And I think that when you start to look at some of these topics, he opposed the U.S. proxy war in Ukraine. Even after he was pretty much canceled by the rest of the network, Tucker Carlson frequently brings on Steak for Breakfast Enjoyer, retired Colonel Douglas McGregor on his show to kind of deconstruct what's really going on in Ukraine. I love that guy. And he's been yeah. right about everything. He denounced the CIA, FBI, and DHS for its systematic lies and corruption. Fact check true. He's devoted himself uh, to working on a pardon for Julian Assange. He's been very public about that. He's objected to re regime change efforts in places like Cuba. He he's done a documentary on that. A and he even criticized harshly uh, some of the Trump administration's militarisms, uh, you know, throughout the course of, of Donald Trump's presidency, in addition to working on the January 6th stuff. Now we know why there was never a follow-up on that because it seemed like once that aired, it was the beginning of the end. And he kind he, of went off the rails. He went right from January 6th, fine, I can't talk about this, boom, let's talk about Big Pharma. And yep. he rolled right into that and then kind of wrapped up his uh, exclusive career with the historic interview with Donald Trump. His show ended last week. We don't need to play the audio because it's not really very pertinent to, I mean, what's going on in this show, but his last segment on Friday, so there was a viral video that went around last week in a neighborhood, a ring doorbell caught it. A high-speed police chase ended in a cul-de-sac. The person who was involved in the high-speed chase, the perpetrator, got out of the car and tried to run away. A pizza delivery guy on a front porch <laughs> saw oh, this happening. Epic. He was worried about his own car getting hit. Walked down to the end of the path on the street and as the guy who was involved in the high-speed chase, the perpetrator tried to run away, the guy literally stuck out his leg and, and tripped him, saying the cops jumped on top of him. So Tucker Carlson had this guy in Did his... Did he clothesline him or trip him? Trip him. And he, he put his leg up on the table. Oh, on that's the right. Yeah, He's yeah. got a big bone And bruise. save the pizza, I think. He saved Did, the pizza. Did save the pizza and wings, and then in the last Tucker segment ever on Fox News, delivered pizza to Tucker Carlson, and they ate it as <laughs> the show went out. Tucker spoke at the Heritage Foundation uh, retreat this weekend, and... Going back and re-listening to his almost 30-minute piece yesterday, I could tell there was a tone in his voice that before this was announced on Monday, he knew. 
And uh, we have to take into consideration some of the stuff we've already played on this show. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, right after the January 6th documentary came out and literally said Rupert Murdoch needs to fire Tucker Carlson. On the House side, Sandy Ocasio-Cortez sat down for an exclusive interview with Noah's favorite former White House press secretary, Big Red, this weekend on Mm. her show. And they teased a little bit of it. Let's hear it. Federal regulation in terms of what's allowed on air and what isn't. And when you look at what Tucker Carlson and some of these other folks on Fox do, it is very, very clearly incitement of violence. Very clearly incitement of violence. And that is the line that I think we have to uh, be willing to contend with. That was her kind of developing a little bit of how she felt regarding the Tucker Carlson situation, uh, that her voice isn't heard loud enough because he's out there speaking the truth. She was quick to jump on her world-famous Twitch screen yesterday (laughs) to talk about, well, to celebrate the fact that Tucker Carlson was fired from Fox News. Let's hear from the Congresswoman again. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, What I will say, though, is while I'm very glad that the person that is arguably responsible for the some of the largest driving some of the most uh, amounts of death threats and violent threats not just in my office she almost died people across the country (laughs) Um, I also kind of feel like I'm like waiting for the cutscene at the end of a Marvel movie after all the credits have rolled don't make me not like Marvel movies the villain's like hand reemerge out to grip grip over like the end of a building or something but deplatforming works and it is important and um there you go i know literally <laughs> but that last sentence cuts right through everything and provides what the actual goal yeah, is yeah what the goal is deplatforming yes, canceling you from life is exactly what their plan is what they want to do getting you fired what the, yeah what they feel that they've achieved right now with Tucker Carlson being removed from Fox News and the number one show just about in in conservative anything, you know, as of right now, not in the cycle. Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, make sure you're subscribed to the show. It helps us with the algorithms. We come up as a suggestion. The more and more subscribers we get. Also across social medias, Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, and Instagram. Follow us, hit the notification bell, then anytime we're putting out stuff pertinent to the show, it'll be delivered directly to you. We are going to be touching on this topic a little bit more in just a bit with investigative journalist, CEO of Just the News, John Solomon. We're really looking forward to having him back because there's so much to talk about this week. But I don't want to miss out on the fact that Don Lemon was also canned yesterday. (laughs) Lemon drop. Yeah. CNN issued a very, very nice statement regarding the termination of their most famous race-baiting white hater. Diva. Diva. And uh, we could hear that real quick. You may have heard yesterday CNN parted ways with anchor Don Lemon. In a statement, CNN CEO Chris Lick thanked Don for his contributions over the past 17 years, (laughs) writing in part, Don will forever be a part of the CNN family. We wish him well. 
and we'll be cheering him on in his future endeavors. Asshole. Absolutely. Of course, Don was a big part of this show over the last six months. He was one of the first anchors on CNN to have me on his show. That's something I'll obviously never forget. I agree with Chris. We wish him the best. Thoughts and prayers for Don Lamont. But I think... Like T-H-O-T-S thoughts? Well, those two when you talk about it. <laughs> but listen, if you're down for the gals that don't shave their legs and have airy armpits and kind of smell like cat pee, yeah, they're probably... Oh, God. Not those thoughts? But remember, we're not talking about the flashy headlines today. We're talking about the ripple effects here. Or more pertinent to this situation, the blue cheese and ranch effect. Because hip-hop icon, Ooh. one of my favorites... Rick Ross, the man who wears his own face on a gold chain around his neck, and that gold chain has a gold chain of his face around that one as well. Oh, my God. Took to Instagram Live yesterday after hearing the news and offered Don Lemon a solution to his current unemployment problem. Let's hear it. Just found out Don Lemon was terminated from CNN. Damn, Don. But guess what? The brothers got your back. We hiring it at Wingstop. <laughs> and for some reason, I believe you know what you're doing with them lemon pepper wings. So, man, just send over your resume. Well, it was 17 years. <clears throat> but I'm going to make sure I get you in front of the right grill, brother. Stay solid, brother. Just came up with a wonderful idea. Well, really, Don, you helped me come up with this. But I need to hit the team over at Rap Star Energy Drink and let them know. We should introduce the Don Lemon flavor. What y'all think? What y'all think? Hey, Don, I'm a busted. Hey, we got you, brother. Don Lemon. Was he standing in front of an overpass or were they actually frying chicken behind him? So Noah hates when there's any kind of noise that's not <laughs> studio quality. And, and you know how absolutely ridiculous Rick Ross is that every, he has llamas on his property and they always get out. And then I would like, have llamas. The police have to bring them back to his house and he always like thanks them. He's, and he treats them like dog pets. Mm -hmm. So he's standing in his backyard. Uh, not only is it outside, so the audio quality is poor, but he's standing literally right in front of an enormous waterfall next to his pool. Oh, that makes sense. It was either that or <laughs> lives by an overpass. Step not away from the waterfall, Rick. Hey, listen. We've done interviews with people next to waterfalls before, though. True story. It was an airport, but whatever. <laughs> what 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 do you guys think? Do you think? Uh, I I think it's more of a troll. I don't think he was welcoming no. Don Lamont into the family. Remember, he did say, "Shoot me your resume, and we'll see what we can do." Yeah, you never know. I think it was a troll. And I got to be honest with you, I'm I'm not happy that Don Lemon got fired either. And just like going back to AOC with deplatforming, I think it's all ridiculous. We know Don Lemon really has had no real value value over at CNN. His his they got rid of him at prime time. His morning show was failing. Yep. But it's it's he, a did, whole ha he did have that controversial incident with uh Yeah, but at least Don Lemon got fired for a valid reason. Like his show was failing. You just said it. Yeah, yeah he no he real get, value. Absolutely. He didn't get canceled. When, when he didn't he, get canceled by us. When no. he went off on Vivek last week too and talked yeah. about how hard it was for a black person to hear uh, he said like a brown person or whatever you are. Yeah, that was that was definitely one of the the keys to the puzzle of why he got fucking definitely got to wait for your next white guest to drop that one on. But yeah, someone who's right. a first generation Indian American <laughs> who's running. And they were yelling at him in the earpiece because he kept saying it. He said, I can't, I can't complete a thought or something with you in my earpiece. Yeah. Like, they were just like, would you shut the fuck up? Don? Yeah. What are Don, you doing? Stop it. Yeah. We're going to fire your ass. <laughs> I, I tell you what, 
it's been it's been a wild week, and and like I said, I went back and listened to Tucker speak at the Heritage Foundation Summit uh, over the weekend, and it a lot of it resonated with me differently, knowing what he probably knew going into that speaking event. In our last audio clip of the segment, and right before we're getting ready to jump on with John Salman, let's hear Tucker Carlson in an excerpt from that speech over the weekend. Around, and you see so many people break under the strain, under the downward pressure of whatever this is that we're going through, and you look with disdain and sadness as you see people you know become quislings, you see them revealed as cowards, you see them going along with a new, new thing, which is clearly a poisonous thing, a silly thing, you know, saying things you know they don't believe because they want to keep their jobs. If there's a single person in this room who hasn't seen that through George Floyd and COVID and the Ukraine war, raise your hand. Oh, nobody? Right. You all know what I'm talking about. And you're so disappointed in people. You know, you are, and you realize that the herd instinct is maybe the strongest instinct. I mean, it may be stronger than the hunger and sex instincts, actually. The instinct, which again is inherent to be like everybody else and not to be cast out of the group, not to be shunned, that's a very strong impulse in all of us from birth. And it takes over, unfortunately, in moments like this, and it's harnessed, in fact, by bad people in moments like this, to produce uniformity. And you see people going along with this, and you lose respect for them. And that certainly happened to me at scale over the past three years. I'm not mad at people, I'm just sad. I'm disappointed. How could you go along with this? You know it's not true, but you're saying it anyway? Really? You're putting your pronouns in your email? You're ridiculous. After hearing that, both of you guys could probably agree he knew. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a shame. It really is. Yeah. For the fact that we're at a point right now in this country where everything is so polarizing, uh, one or two words, you can literally lose the opportunity to make a living, have a family, uh, you know, live amongst privacy and, and things like that. You have someone that's been out there trying his best to at least tell the truth. You, you go back and look at a lot of the documentaries he's put out too, the World Economic Forum ones, the, the, the fall of man that he did with the Raw Egg Nationalist, who's a regular on this show as well. He really does get it when it, you talk about being dialed into the pulse of what we need to do to get this country on back on the right track. And I think someone with the popularity that Tucker Carlson has, it's, it's a huge loss for our community, but I feel that his rise will be just about as good as it was as he was really starting to take control of the narrative over at Fox News. Yeah. So we'll continue to track it, and uh, we're, we're going to talk right now with uh, John Solomon about it. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? you got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bill's. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated, like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per 2 ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra 5 bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmer Bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. Joining us first on the show today, he's an award-winning investigative journalist and the founder of Just the News. We are so thankful to have back Mr. John Salmon. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, great to be with you guys. Well, sir, the news has been crazy for pretty much ever, but recently this week we were all kind of shocked yesterday when we heard the news about Fox News and Tucker Carlson. Uh, you know, a sure. lot of people have weighed in on uh, 
the gravity of it, we kind of are taking the perspective that the lasting ripple effect of this and, and what it means to not have him in, in so many people's living rooms every night uh, could possibly mean to the America First movement. What do you think? Well, listen, it's definitely an earthquake in the media and the political landscape. Uh, it's going to take some time to understand what really happened here. I don't think we know all the facts yet. So it's hard to understand what caused the parting of ways so abruptly and so unexpectedly. Uh, but we've seen different aspects of this, right? Bill O'Reilly in an earlier time frame got canceled off of Fox. And, and we know what effect that has, though. He's built a really powerful empire now with no spin news. But um, it's it, there are two elements to this. One is uh, there is a continued effort to censor conservative opinion across this way. It takes many forms, lawsuits, campaigns, advertising blockages. Uh, and, and certainly some of that will have played into this. So I think there's a lot more behind the scenes going on than what is currently public. The second part is, uh, I'm old enough to remember 1980 when my father said, we're taking down the antenna off our house and we're putting this new box in called cable and we'll get different television. And that was an enormous disruption in the entire media landscape. We are right in the middle of a similar transition where cable is being phased out and a new generation of people watch television without wires, whether it's 5G or whether it's a streaming television or Roku or Pluto. And so this probably plays into that acceleration of the change very much. Uh, somewhere down the road, Tucker Carlson isn't going to land. It's probably not going to be on a cable network, maybe. But uh, the opportunity for people to go out and create their own uh, platforms to reach the American people without the filters and gatekeepers of traditional media and without the tethers and ties of ca cable is very real. And we're in the middle of that historic transition. In two, three years, we will not recognize the television landscape that we're in. I definitely think you uh, are correct there. We did see, I was reading over portions of the Rolling Stone article that just came out that had some, you know, interviews from anonymous Fox staff who said Tucker Carlson's breakup with the network was celebrated by a lot of people in the administrative staff there. Mm -hmm. and, and whether or not that's the actual narrative, we don't necessarily think that the message that he was getting out there it has anything to do with that. The message that he was getting out there was very important, especially, mm -hmm. you know, down the home stretch here. We had stuff on January 6th, uh, breaking up Big Pharma, the real story that's going on in, inside of Ukraine and then obviously exclusive interviews with people like Donald Trump and uh, when you talk yeah. about the potential for where this goes I mean a AOC did a, did a live Twitch stream yesterday where she was just saying like you know cancellations work if we just you know continue to hammer it hard enough it, it could affect anybody look what we did to Tucker Carlson they're celebrating yeah. this and uh it's big, and I think the ripple effect is going to be uh, yet to be determined, but definitely something that uh, our listenership, is, I'm sure as far as your viewership, will be tracking heavily. I, I do want to stay yeah. in the thread of censorship. So last week you were breaking this story about, uh, we all know the, the, the memo that came out regarding the Hunter Biden laptop in the 2020 presidential election cycle where supposedly over 50 intel you know, people, former chiefs and stuff like that, had uh, basically said that this is Russian disinformation. Now, as, as, as you've been so awesome and at the tip of the spear on, we're finding out that Anthony Blinken, the current Secretary of State, was involved in running this whole kind of like steel dossier almost, but using yeah. legitimate people instead of just fabricating it like it was in the case there. And, and, and yeah. when, when asked about it, uh, the current Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, might have lied under oath about it. What can you tell our listenership is the latest? Yeah, let me just say one more thing, because as you were uh, setting that question up, something rang in my head. You know, back in 2019, I was one of the first media personalities that the left tried to cancel. I did all the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden original reporting, the firing of the prosecutor, the billion dollar threat, all of the early Burisma stuff. 
And they continued to attack me for right then. They called me conspiracy theorist, a nut job. I left the Hill as a result of it. But at the end of the day, I stuck to facts and I tried to not engage in any behavior that would give the cancel culture people any room. And I think one of the things that conservatives will learn long term, it's very important, as hard as it is, as emotional as it is, as tiring the work is, not to to remember that when you have a big bullhorn much is expected of you and don't give those cancel culture people the things and when they make something up about you fight it quickly don't let it persist in the media space knock it down i think people are getting better at that but that's one of the keys to surviving cancel culture is being able to counter with facts and without emotion without bad behavior and i think we're learning that day by day now let me go to the the 51. so mike morrell used was twice the acting cia director of the fbi once under john brennan as i believe and once under an earlier thing he finished as a deputy director before he left the agency he's a very senior intelligence when you think of the intelligence community mike morrell's picture probably should pop up in webster's or in the encyclopedia uh he is now at the center of three famous moments let's talk about the one i broke last week Mike Morrell gave testimony to Congress saying that he received a call from Anthony Blinken uh, seeking some help in knocking down uh, the Hunter Biden laptop as it was emerging in October 2020. He said it was that call that instigated him. I think he used the the words motivated, I forget the exact word, but instigated is the right word for it, to help circulate and write that letter. So a former deputy CIA director, twice acting CIA director, helped circulate the letter. And he said his sole intention for doing it when sole motivation was Blinken calling him, he's now our Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. The reason he did it was to influence the election and how he wanted to influence the election was to ensure that Joe Biden was uh, president. Now just stop for a second, pause and think about that. You have a long-term person whose credentials and authority was, was built on the authority and of taxpayers' money and the authority of the United States government. And he said, as a former spy, I tried to influence the 2020 election. Does that sound familiar? Yes, because in 2016, that's what Christopher Steele did as a former MI6 uh, um, uh, spy working with the Clinton campaign, moving from the intelligence community, learning all those tactics in intelligence community, imposing them into the political process. That's the story we broke last week. That should trouble everybody. But I want to I want to widen out the lens on Mike Morrell because I'm going to have a story tonight. You're going to get a little taste of it early Great. if you have a few seconds. Absolutely. Step step back. There was an amazing column written in the fall of 2020 by the former intelligence chief of the FBI, Kevin Brock, a very honest broker, Democrats, Republicans, independents, current and, and ex-FBI consider Kevin Brock to be an honest operator in an agency has a lot of problems. He wrote a column in, in 2016 that caught everyone's attention, excuse me, in 2020. Spies are interfering in our election. And there was a pause, dot, dot, dot and they're American spies. He was calling out what was really going on in real time, that the espionage community of America was actually engaged in trying to put its thumb on the election scale. And it wasn't just that moment of the 51 uh, experts signing that letter, falsely declaring something Russian disinformation when it wasn't. Now we're gonna pull back the lens. Who is Mike Morrell? Mike Morrell, as a senior CIA official in 2012, ultimately was forced to admit that he edited the talking points of uh, Susan Rice when she made those famous comments on TV that the attack on Benghazi was inspired by an anti-Muslim tape. It was not, it was an Al-Qaeda attack. Mike Morrell admitted he was the guy that took Al-Qaeda out of that briefing and misled the American people by giving different talking points to him. Now he said it was good intention. We'll, we'll, we'll carry that thought for a second, put a pin in that. 2016, on, in late July of 2016, the CIA director, John Brennan, 
goes to President Barack Obama in a secret briefing that we later learned about years later and tells Barack Obama that Hillary Clinton is about to carry out a dirty trick on uh, uh, Donald Trump. They're going to try to hang a Russia shingle on his campaign house, and he should be aware of it. The president of the United States should be careful because they now have an intercept that tells them Hillary Clinton's about to do this. That occurred late July, not a week later, not a week later. The first and most prominent intelligence official to come out and say Donald Trump might be an unwitting agent of the Russian government was Mike Morrell. Just had left as deputy CIA director a couple of years earlier, former, formerly worked for John Brennan. And what does he peddle? He peddles the Russia collusion. So in 2012, he's peddling. Uh, it's not a terrorism when it was. In 2016, he's got peddling Russia collusion. In 2020, he's peddling that the, the the very real laptop, which, by the way, the FBI had authenticated months before, is Russian disinformation. That's what Kevin Brock was trying to warn the American public. Longtime practitioners of U.S. intelligence were now using their tactics against the American people. It just seems like the more you kind of peel back the layers on this, John, uh, first of all, in regards to Donald Trump, all roads seem to lead back to Russiagate. When you're talking about some of the major players in this, like uh, Tony Blinken, even like Jake Sullivan, Susan Rice, all those people Damn. who collaborated with our intelligence officials, then, you know, you have people like Kevin Bach just kind of like screaming the quiet part out loud and it gets yeah. washed up into the election. Uh, obviously, the presidential debates got so heated over stuff. You know, you have the Biden family uh, kickbacks. You have Donald Trump ac making accusations about the laptop. And it, we were just talking about it on our uh, uh, offline today before our show started. Donald Trump had to, like, not only debate Joe Biden in 2020, but it was sometimes between one and three moderators that were all telling him, like, no, that's not true. Don't say that. That's not true. Don't say it. We're going we're gonna to say that that's not true. And, you know, it really did. When, when you look at the Time Magazine article, you, now you have the Bach article. You you have the guys of COVID. You have the Hunter Biden laptop repression story. You have the free-for-all mail-in ballots that happened because of the pandemic. Donald Trump has segued in his verbiage going from rigged and stolen to election interference. You kind of have outlined here, as we've been covering for a long time on our show, it is legitimate and it is there. And it's not just one or two small instances where they say, like, oh, election fraud is so small it can't interfere with an election. Who needs – you don't even have to talk about servers, ballots, anything. I agree. You, you just talk about these absolute facts like you say you need to stick to, not get emotional about it. And you could see that the, that the election definitely was interfered with when Donald Trump ran in 2020. Listen, the debate is the American job interview for their next president. Joe Biden was able to mislead the American public in that final job interview, that debate, by hauling out that letter, which, by the way, he portrayed as an organic intelligence repudiation of, of the laptop when, in fact, it was a political campaign. His campaign managed the media on it. His campaign instigated the letter. His campaign, here's a piece of fact that I got in a story over the week, a lot of people talking about. Tony, the, the only part of the... 51 person letter that actually said Russian disinformation came from a USA Today article with anonymous sources saying the FBI was looking at whether it was there. Do you know who forwarded that factoid to Mike Morell so he could put it in the letter? The Biden campaign did. Imagine the that. Biden campaign constructed that letter and then the president used it, pretend it was organic, and he deceived the American people. He fooled the job interview. If I hired someone here and they lied to me in my job interview and I later find, you know what happened to him? We'd fire him. Yep. And uh, because you can't be deceptive, Joe Biden and his team worked together to create a great deception that deprived the American people from making an informed decision about their next president. And that's something that is interference. And it's what Kevin Brock said. U.S. spies were interfering in the American election. He was right. 
Well, again, continuing with the groundbreaking news and the investigative journalism, John, we really appreciate you sharing that with our listenership. It's definitely something that they're all going to be checking out when they're doing their own research. I do want to kind of stay in the same thread of censorship and mention a personal project that you're working on, a children's book that's coming out. You want to let our listenership know a little bit about that? I do. This is so important to me. I I never thought I'd write a children's book. I didn't think I'd even write another adult book because I'm so busy. But I have become mortified that there isn't more outcry in America about free speech and censorship. The First Amendment was first because if you couldn't speak, you could never control a government. It was essential to the formation of our constitutional republic. And today it's thrown away. An FBI agent has no problem setting up an operation in San Francisco forwarding censorship requests on Americans. Twitter and Facebook had no problem censoring things that turned out to be true. The Biden administration, the Biden campaign and intelligence operators had no problem trying to squelch free speech in a debate about the Hunter Biden laptop. And I became to realize, well, wait a second, there's a whole generation that doesn't even realize free speech is important to us. They actually support restrictions on free speech. So I wanted to write a book and I, I teamed up with uh Brave books are tremendous new. They're like the new Scholastica for conservative, freedom-loving Americans to tell this story. And we tell it in the, um, the book is based on my son's hamster, who I have a funny story to tell one day about. But he he runs a hamster newspaper, and the hamster newspaper can't deliver it because all of the tubes in his hamster community are clogged, a la the Twitter and Facebook people are are repressing his newspaper from coming out. And the goal here is to help Americans understand that free speech is essential and and let children who might not be hearing it from their teachers get a way to learn why free speech matters to America and why censorship is so dangerous. It has some lessons at the back end, but I really want to do this. I want parents and grandparents to have a way to engage with their children because most likely their school district's not teaching that lesson. Available for pre-order yet? It's going to come out Monday. So, yep, you'll be able to go to Brave Books on Monday and be able to do it. But uh, it's the first mention I had of it. It's a personal project. I had like to say it's a personal pet project because I literally I personally have a pet in it. Uh, my, my, my son's hamster junk. But um, I'm really excited about this. And again, it's not I, I'm, I'm glad it's an entertaining, beautiful book. But I really want this ability for parents to have a conversation in their family at their dinner table. Let their children know that this country was based on the First Amendment. And right now, the First Amendment is in the gravest danger it has ever been in since King George was present. Oh, you, you you are absolutely correct there. And we'll be sharing it. You know, Cash Patel's put out a couple great children's books from Brave Books as well. And we Yes, share, my share good buddy. One of our great friends here, too. He calls us elk for breakfast because he doesn't eat steak. <laughs> but uh, we can all agree that Pabst Blue Ribbon is the best beer. It's the officially endorsed uh, libation of Cash Patel, but, uh, no, it's awesome. And I'm going to be ordering it for my kids as soon as the pre-order comes out next week. And, uh, you know, I like to send them to school with all, I sent my kids to school with the Cash Patel books. They're Teachers weren't exactly thrilled, but they didn't get sent home like when I sent my daughter to school with the uh, Trump sweatshirt on. But that's okay. Uh, you know, and, and we're going to jump to that thread right now. So Joe Biden announced his reelection campaign today. Yeah. It comes within 24 hours of us hearing about Susan Rice stepping down from his administration, probably to work behind the scenes, uh, you know, regarding stuff with the uh, 2024 election. What are you thinking as you're seeing this starting to shape up? Well, there are three things to say about the video. The first is it's very dark, very dark, like the red wall, satanic red wall speech back in the summer. So he hasn't backed off the negativity. There are some things in the the uh, statements that aren't true. One of them says Republicans want to tell you who you can love. That's simply not true. I, I don't know Republicans that say you can't love this person, that person. They have greater concerns about what our teacher, children are being teached at a young age that are, might be highly sexualized content. That's a legitimate concern. So that that's the second thing. The third thing is, 
I've covered a lot of presidential campaigns going all the way back to 1984. I got to cover part of Reagan's 84 campaign, and I got news for you. I've never seen a candidate launch with a video and then disappear from the campaign trail. He's nowhere to be found. This is basement two campaigning, yep. and it is uh, problematic because just three days or four days before the announcement, the New York Times wrote a very powerful op-ed. New York Times has been in uh, the back uh, uh, background cheering on Joe Biden's presidency going to 19. They did a lot to suppress true stories about his family for a while. They said his age is an issue because he simply doesn't seem like he can perform appropriately. There's a new billboard up in New York Times Square today saying he might need a little blue pill of politics because he can't seem to perform. <laughs> there is a very large dynamic going on that is questioning this, and this video played into it, which is he doesn't go on to campaign trail. He does a video and mails it in, just like he mailed it in during COVID. And I think that's going to begin to raise questions about his of readiness. That's why only 26% of Americans want him to run for re-election. They kind of can tell he's somewhat hampered in his ability to be an active president. And uh, he denies it, but, you know, people are pretty smart. No, they, they are, and you make some excellent points there. I, I thought it was funny that they have, like, a pseudo-Viagra billboard up in <laughs> yeah. Times Square saying he can't get it up to yeah. the president. I, I fear, we've talked about it on the show, John, what do you think, that the Biden administration, the regime now, is going to start using the talking points when it comes to campaigning and maybe even up to some debates. He's too busy being the president, having the best economy ever, the best job market ever, being a legislative juggernaut in, in his first term, that he just can't worry about going out there and doing like even, they'll probably say like uh, ultra MAGA rallies and stuff like that, but just any kind, you know, the usual half high school gyms filled yeah. up or whatever Joe Biden caters to. Do you think they're going to try and run with that narrative? Well, listen, he's already done it with the DNC debates. He's taken the Katie Hobbs approach to debating, which is we're not going to do debates on the Democratic side because why? Bobby Kennedy's a pretty sharp guy. Yeah. He'd be pretty impressive in a debate against uh, Joe Biden. You could challenge him on his green uh, issues. You can challenge him on the vaccine mandates. Um, and so you're already seeing that excuse implemented on something that once again is an American's basic responsibility for a job interview. They expect debates to be the job interview for why you're qualified to stay another four years. So far, Joe Biden is signaling and the Democrats are signaling they won't let that happen. Uh, they're locking him in a, a metaphorical basement, keeping him away from reporters, keeping him away from American public. That's not the way presidential races have been conducted in the past. And I think this time, unlike COVID, where we had all the legitimate fears or the concerns and all the hype, uh, he's not going to have that. There's two things different about 2024. People now know the Hunter Biden laptop is real and there's no COVID pandemic. So the question is, where's Joe Biden? And get him out of the basement. Get him in front of us. Get him outside of the Easter Bunny and get him answering questions for the American people. And that isn't happening. And it's beginning to create a slow murmur in the American political consciousness that maybe something is wrong with this guy. Or if there's nothing wrong, maybe he doesn't want it bad enough to spend time with you and me, the American public. Yeah, KJP has just said, as we're recording right now, uh, she's not going to get ahead of the president. That's something for him to decide when asked by a reporter if Joe Biden expects to fulfill all eight years of his potential presidency. So they're already running yeah. word salad. Not the inspiring that. confidence. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's so, another non-answer. Yeah. That's all they give. Um, but remember, all of her answers are historic and transparent mm. and filled with diversity, equity, and inclusion. John, do you think there's anything to Susan Rice leaving? Well, listen, it's a big blow because she obviously is somebody that ties the Biden era to the Obama era where, you know, a lot more progressive Democrats are more excited about Barack Obama than they ever been about Joe Biden. Her departure leaves one of those roadways and you take Ron Klain, who departed earlier this yep. year. 
uh, there are there's some missing gaps in his team. It, it, a lot of people didn't think he had an A team before this. These two departures are significant. And uh, I don't know why she left. I guess she has to explain for herself. But that con connectivity to a very popular former President Barack Obama, at least on the left, uh, is gone or, or, or dissipated quite a bit by the loss. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how it hampers his messaging, hampers his policy decisions. This is not a, a president who has a very strong first two years in office when uh, you only have a 38 percent approval rating and only 26 percent after just two years in office, only 26 percent. Uh, want you to run again, 74% don't, you're off to a very weak start in your 2024 re-election campaign. Yeah, also, when you talk about the 40% approval rating as well, no president has ever been re-elected with such a poor approval rating. It seems like the only thing that they might be able to manufacture between now and then is a war that actually legitimately involves the United States, but then Joe Biden doesn't seem like he's very much a wartime president, and uh, I don't think that would very much cater to the Democrat base that he's looking to cater to as well. Yeah, let's let's hope there's not one, right? We uh, the, we're in a very dangerous world with uh, China and Taiwan, Russia and Ukraine, uh, North Korea, hypersonic missiles, and quite frankly, there's a, a strong evidence that our Pentagon is not as prepared as it yep. should be. Uh, there are shortages of reported shortages of armaments, or uh, reported shortages of uh, some weaponry, uh, and uh, there's recruitment problems, but mostly because of all the woke stuff going on in the sure. Pentagon, the DEI stuff. Uh, we can't afford a war right now, though, so I still trust the fighting men and women of this great country. They're awesome. They'll find a way to win, but we're not on the best footing. We may be on some of the weakest military footing since Jimmy Carter. And so I, I pray every day that we don't see any further escalation of conflict because I do worry whether we have uh, all of the our cards in order in that thing. You just see a Pentagon that can't even explain why it couldn't shoot a balloon down when it was doing figure eights over our military installations. I mean, I could find a, a kid with a bottle rocket that probably could have taken it down. It's just so disturbing to see what um, uh, peace through weakness looks like. No, it certainly does. And the kids with the science project and the balloon enthusiast group, they did get their shot down. So they did get their shot down. Better yeah. late than never. Good point. John, last thing I want to touch with you on, I think it's really important. We're talking about commanders and chiefs, potential ones for 2024. Donald Trump yeah. has had another great week. It comes off of about two, yeah. two solid months of his stock on the rise, whether it be from campaign events or in person, you know, things like he did it out in Ohio. We're hearing that he's planning on maybe going down to the southern border at some point. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, we, we've seen the endorsements ringing in a lot from florida uh already over 10 senators and then yesterday you have two probably danes. very danes and then lee zeldin earlier in the day yeah. yesterday who a lot of people see as uh, someone that might be important to a, a future trump administration as well donald trump called him out by name at cpac out of that whole crowd of you know po did. politicians and, and and media presence there he called out lee zeldin and we had reported for a long time that the desantis campaign had been courting adam laxalt and lee zeldin to join him he did get laxalt but it seems like Lee Zeldin is, has decided otherwise. What do you think about the 45th president's chances right now as we're heading into the summer? It seems like his stock is rising, but but what can he be looking forward to? Well, listen, you got to figure out what's going to happen in Georgia and with Jack Smith. So there's two more criminal prosecutions still hanging over his head. I think the first criminal prosecution has backfired on Alvin Bragg. Yeah. So much so that he dropped a legal challenge and he made less than a few days after he made it. 
Uh, I think even Democrats, even Andrew Weissman saying it's a joke of an indictment, right? So uh, the New York one seems like a, a weak first shot. And there's always a rule in politics. If you're going to shoot at the king, be sure to kill the king or you will regret it. So there is some concern that the first one wasn't done well. We got to see how those cases wash out. That's the first piece of it that needs to be there. But the single base, biggest thing about Donald Trump's rise, it's the untold story, but you can go back and you can see what he's done. After the 2022 midterm elections, he went back to his policies. He became a substance candidate again. Like he, you know, he certainly got his fun personality things sure. and we all enjoy them when he does it. But he went back and he took the Reagan strategy of 1977. When Ronald Reagan got stung in 76 by Gerald Ford, everyone said, too old, he's done, he's finished. Well, he wasn't. He went and did the fireside chats and he did the radio addresses and he showed people what a Reagan policy would look like for every aspect of America. Donald Trump has done that religiously since December. Fewer rallies, fewer tweets that are, or truths that are attacking people. A lot more substance. And the more substantive he becomes, the more people are reminded. Darn, I like that guy's policies. I do remember when gas was a buck 80. I do remember when the Mexican border was secure. I do remember when Russia and China weren't invading or threatening to invade things. I want that era. And I think that Donald Trump has built that capability. And then Susie Wiles, who's his chief political strategist, has done a great job working with the president to get big endorsements early. And then the pudding ad was a big reminder that, <laughs> hey, Donald Trump could be funny and stinging at the same time. And I, I, people won't be able to get that Ron DeSantis image out of their mind, whether they want to or not. It was a very good early ad. He's had a good run. The campaign's a long time. It's not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. But yep. right now, he has a lot of momentum. And that early momentum could shrink the field, which could be advantageous to President Trump. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people hammered President Trump for his, you know, kind of like right after Thanksgiving uh, up through the new year of releasing all those yep. five, six, seven minute policy videos. But we thought it was a genius move. He was kind of laying it out there and then making everybody decide, are you with the America First agenda? Are you going to try to rewrite it in your own context or are you against yeah. this agenda and are you tied to the establishment? And now Donald Trump can pretty much enjoy having laid out there a large portion of his, uh, you know, policy platform and go on the trail and do things like the pudding video and even bring it back to tie it in emotionally. Like he's been asked a couple of times about Ron DeSantis over the last few weeks in interviews with Tucker Carlson last night with Greg yeah. Kelly. And he said, you want to know what? It kind of hurts me because this was like a loyalty thing. Like you put your neck, your reputation, yeah. you, you put the Donald Trump brand out there to save this yep. guy in an election. And within 18 months, you know, uh, after the midterms, he's, he's out there running whatever he's running right now. Apparently it's a book tour for a governor talking about how awesome Florida is in Japan. So we're trying to figure out what, what Governor <laughs> yeah. DeSantis is doing right now. Yeah, we, we can't take away some of his accomplishments, but when it comes down to just bare bones, you want to talk about loyalty, this is not really a good look for him, and I think a lot of people have picked up on it, no matter how much Fox News is going to try and force him down our throats. I yeah. think we kind of see uh, through the single and straight to the noise, like you always are uh, providing. And John, this has been awesome sitting down with you today. It's always a treat for our listenership. It's like we got a podcast within a podcast uh, by having yeah. you join us today. And uh, we're Great gonna, honor. We're going to live link just the news in our show description today but for everyone that's not following you guys where can we check you out yep uh justinews.com is where uh, all our stories flow and then jay solomon reports on every platform getter truth uh twitter facebook we're everywhere and that's the best way to stay in touch with me award-winning investigative journalist right here broke a little news on steak for breakfast today I don't know, Noah, what do you think? Becoming a little bit of a regular contributor, I like it. I like it. So I, I guess mm -hmm. we're agreed we'll have to have John Solomon back soon. Mr. Solomon, thanks, thanks for joining guys. us today. Great honor to be with you guys. Have a good day. Take care. 53% of 
2020 Biden voters say he shouldn't run. 64% of Democrats who voted for Sanders or Warren in the 2020 primaries think he shouldn't run. And 76% of voters under 35 think he shouldn't run. And what's the top concern for that? We asked voters. We didn't prompt them. We said, why don't you think he should run? Well, these were the responses. It almost is all about his age and his ability to do the job. Again, these are among Democratic primary voters. The Wall Street Journal editorial board had a very strong statement about it, saying the public understands what Mr. Biden apparently won't admit, that electing an octogenarian in obvious decline for another four years could be an historic mistake. It's impossible to know Mr. Biden's real physical and mental state because the White House goes to great lengths to hide it. But his decline is clear to anyone who isn't willfully blind. Octogenarian? Well, as you guys can clearly hear. Did you just call him a houseplant? Probably. <laughs> Geranium? A lot of the mainstream media on the radical progressive left side is more than excited for Joe Biden to announce his re-election bid for the White House, which came today. Oh, that was octogenarian, a person who was from 80 to 89 years old. I didn't know that was a word. Walking corpse. Yes. So, old as fuck. Listen, the Wall Street Journal, State of the Fake Union, Meet the Fake Press, hammered Biden all with their cold open and lead-ins over the weekend. The Wall Street Journal put out a couple scathing uh, articles, as did the New York Times. Uh, they, they kind of just put out an article, and I'm paraphrasing here basically what the context is. The way Joe Biden continues to run and hide from the press is not going to cut it when it comes to the 2024 presidential election cycle. And uh, Joe Biden and, and basically his team, which lost a major player over the last 24 hours, kind of just threw caution into the wind of all those concerns and said, I don't give a shit. I'm running anyways. Find somebody better. I've got the keys to the DNC apparatus, and I'm going to be using them moving forward unless something unforeseen and even more so unfortunate happens to him. So Basements announced this morning. We'll hear the video. Uh, it's about a one-minute clip that goes kind of right in line with how long he can do a speaking event before he starts fucking up, and this one's heavily edited, so... Good job by the team there. But what what do you guys think about uh, how the left now is saying, when you see those numbers, the major voter age demographics, the, the 35 to 40s, saying almost 80% they don't want him to fucking run because he's too old. It, it's got to be a concern for those people, especially heading into you know an election season where it seems like the number one contender on the Republican side, Donald Trump, is really starting to pick up steam. They, they better hope... Uh... They figure something out because I truly believe the Biden team thinks they're going to run another basement campaign because they felt it worked the first time. And, you know, with all the rigging and cheating they like to do, they will uh, find a way. And I also truly believe that they don't care about the older middle aged voters and that they will go after the sick green and pink haired progressives out there that they can, you know, somehow, you know, coax to the polls for 10, 20 bucks or a hot cup of Starbucks coffee and a free piercing. I don't know. It's going to be wild, but it, it, I don't, I don't see it happening. Literally. They're not going to let this guy do anything. He's going to be in the basement. The DNC is fully behind him with their whole entire apparatus. They're not even going to allow debates. So we know, we know how this is going to go. Yeah. We've already heard a lot of the pundits saying that the Joe Biden RFK debate that's on the, in the primary stage, isn't going to happen. 
Joe Biden won't allow that. And now you're talking about once you get into the presidential debates after the Republican and Democrat primaries, is that going to happen? So uh, we're just going to have to see. But I think the biggest thing that we we all kind of missed out on, obviously we didn't because we did a show yesterday. If you haven't listened to our stay exclusive one-hour special with the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse, Raheem Ghassam, jump over to wherever you're listening to Steak for Breakfast now and click on the last show. You'll hear that. It was quite a treat. But the top advisor, supposedly, in the Biden regime and the person who's kind of running intelligence between the Obama holdovers and the Oval Office right now, Susan Rice, made an announcement yesterday regarding her future plans. Let's hear it. Go, Peter Ducey breaks this news. Uh, the president putting out a statement thanking Susan Rice for her service as his domestic policy advisor. She is leaving the White House. What she does next, we'll find out whether or not she has an active role in the campaign. We will see. Um, she likes to hang in the background, shall we say, on a lot of these matters. We'll see whether or not that's the case now going forward. So Susan Rice is leaving the White House. And that's one of the few accurate statements you'll hear uh, from Fox News. You know, the fact that she likes to hang in the background. I'm guessing that she's going to, listen, everybody knows it. There's one equation to winning the White House in 2024, especially if you're a Republican. Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, right? Those five or six states right there, less than 100,000 votes determines on whether or not Donald Trump can win back the White House from Joe Biden. Susan Rice is probably about to lead the ground team into air using the blueprint of the Time Magazine article from 2016 outlining how they kind of threw a wrench into everything regarding the election to stop Donald Trump hitting up the campuses, hitting up the labor unions, hitting up the teachers' unions, and weaponizing all their tools to kind of counter whatever Donald Trump and his team's plan is to uh, get the votes back in those states. So you guys think it's a big loss for the Biden team right now, or can she kind of do both jobs at the same time in the background, like where she likes to hang out? She's going to run the entire campaign through other channels. Uh, I, you know, she, I don't, uh, Megan say she left, but she's, she's not going anywhere. She's fully engaged. That's my feeling. Anyway, She's going to have matching pajamas with uh, Barack in the basement. There you go. Yes. She- They'll both be hating white people all the live long day as well. Uh, <laughs> she's going to get a new earpiece. She's just going to get an updated earpiece is what she's going to get. Well, you know, we can probably help her with that. She gets some. Don't they make like wireless earbuds from Odyssey? Oh, yeah. There you go. Susan Rice, if you're listening, you know you probably are. Use a promo uh, code steak. There you go. Big, big savings. <laughs> They'll write you a nice card as well. Speaking of which, guys, wherever Susan Rice is listening today and you guys are hearing us right now, make sure you subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star rating. Write a review to the podcast. We did get a new one. Last week, they were heavy on Noah. This week, I actually, someone heard it and, and, and left me a good one. So we'll read it at the end of the show. And then on our social media is Instagram, Getter, Twitter, True Social. Make sure you hit the notification bell after you follow us. And then every time we're dropping things pertinent to the show, they're delivered straight to you. We're going to be sitting down with uh, podcast host, news commentator, journalist, one of MAGA's strongest warriors in just a little bit, Grant Stitchfield for the first time. And we've got a bunch of stuff to talk to him about regarding all of this, you know, going on with the regime. Another thing that kind of slipped through the news cycle yesterday, Russiagate enthusiast and regime water carrier, Jake Sullivan, joined KJP for the White House press pool. And some of the questions that were asked to him, obviously there's the, uh, the Pentagon document leak. 
We've got both Merrick Garland and Alejandro Mayorkas lying under oath to Congress in the last year. But they, they want to know about some of the uh, Biden business dealings, especially tied to Ukraine, because as House Republicans have announced last week, there are now up to nine Bidens who financially enjoyed some of the kickbacks from using Joe Biden's office as essentially a financial whorehouse. <laughs> Sullivan was quick to push back on it. Let's hear it. I wanted to give you the opportunity to respond to a former White House stenographer who this month outed you as a anonymous senior administration official Oof. who briefed reporters on Air Force Two en route to Ukraine in 2014. Um, he says that you spoke about giving aid to the Ukrainian national gas industry just days after the first or the second son had uh, secretly joined the board of a uh, Ukrainian gas company. He says he considers you part of a corrupt influence peddling conspiracy. He wants to testify to a Delaware grand jury about it. Uh, do you have a response to that? And were you part of a corrupt influence peddling operation? involving the Biden family in Ukraine or any other country? No. What was a well-thought-out answer? Very. That was like a Biden answer. <laughs> no. No. That was a good question. Mm. And, uh, yeah, well, we all know that not only was the regime uh, complicit in, in, you know, that whole color revolution that happened in Ukraine back in 2014 where, you know, the man who... Where they installed Zelensky? Well, they installed the man who Zelensky would oh, eventually right, yeah. replace... But, uh, you know, there was a lot of back-and-forth business dealings going on behind the scenes before that officially happened. And uh, now we're seeing that on Joe Biden's trip out there where he threatened to, you know, hold off aid unless they fired the prosecutor that was investigating Hunter Biden because he was secretly added to a board where he'd be collecting millions of dollars. Uh, You know, Jake Sullivan was on that plane with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and the delegation from the vice president's office when they went over there to welcome in the new government that they consequently installed in Ukraine. And like Noah said, Sullivan probably gave the uh, most thought out and courageous answer he possibly could. No, (laughs) no, (laughs) I am not an agent of Ukraine. Hey, listen, man. Hey, listen, Jack. (laughs) They just don't care. They just, they just look at every American as if, we are all stupid, and it just doesn't matter what we think. We're just a bunch of John Fetterman's well, to the majority them. rules. Yeah. That's the tweet. <laughs> Speaking of retards, and as we're getting ready to jump in with Grant Stitchfield here in just a minute, Joe Biden released his official plan for run to re-election campaign video today uh, after he's been heckled by the media for months about it and grouchily didn't want to start this until sometime in late May or as, you know, late as July. Uh, He was kind of forced to do it now that RFK announced his candidacy, the fact that Donald Trump's picking up steam and not only hammering Ron DeSantis on almost an hourly basis, but hitting Joe Biden pretty hard everywhere he goes as well. You guys ready to hear it? Oh, yeah. You ready to fire up the garrison button? Mm. Let's check it out. First scene, January 6th. Of course. Freedom. <laughs> Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. Asshole. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red revolution. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally, and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. I'm kind of retarded. 
But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms. Oh. Cutting Social Security oh. that you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy. Dictating what healthcare decisions women can make. Oh. Banning books and telling people who they can love. All while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. Nobody cares who you love. Oh, Stop making my kids and each other. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America. Oh. And we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead, we have more freedom or less freedom. Can you throw more us right all in jail? Fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. Less freedom? This is not a time to be complacent. That's why I'm running for re-election. Because I know America. Anybody else's <laughs> nipples hard? They should have done an 808 drop there. I know that we're good better. and decent people. I know we're still a country that believes in honesty, respect, and treating each other with dignity. That we're a nation where we give hate no safe harbor. We believe that everyone is equal, that everyone should be given a fair shot to succeed in this country. Unless you're a Republican. Thank you. Every generation of Americans has faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Oh. Stand up for our personal freedom. Oh. Stand up for the right to vote oh. and our civil rights. And this is our moment. My butt's been wiped! It sounds like one of those... Uh medicine commercials where the side effects are rectal bleeding <laughs> anal fissures <laughs> if you vote for Joe Biden you might die so if you're with me go to JoeBiden.com and sign up let's finish this job I know we can because this is the United States of America there's nothing simply nothing we cannot do if we do it together Where's Ashley in shower time? <laughs> oh, man. Now, we're not really apologetic to our listenership because here's the deal. If we have to listen to it as part of research, then you guys have to listen to it and bear with us. But I think we could all agree with Tucker Carlson when he so elegantly put, Fuck you. I hate you. <laughs> in regards to how we feel about that thing. And listen. I used all the buttons we had, I think. You're wearing them out. Except for the some, outro. Some smoke coming off the machine right there. <laughs> Guys, that's pretty much the week in Biden world. And uh, as much of a Elon Musk, I have to say, our memers, Edward Russell, congratulations. You got Elon Musk to share the, uh, he did the dumpster that was floating down the street in the flood yeah. on yes. fire and put a Fox News logo on it. And Elon Musk retweeted it and said, <laughs> seems pretty accurate. Yeah. So that's the same goes for Joe Biden and everything that's going on with his re-election campaign. I'm actually excited to see this piece of shit roll out. Just and that video was just insulting. It was like all the shit he was saying, like going after your social security. We've literally established it, established it. That's not a thing. Oh, you're, you know, you're uh, keeping you from voting. It's like, nope, that's not really a thing. That, that would be you yeah. guys. And just know who their target audience is. Asides from the Secret Service agents that were always around Joe Biden, it was impossible to find a white person. There were several images of George Floyd, and the thing kicks off with January 6th. George Floyd was in it, too? Yeah. Yeah. There there was one statement in there that I think everyone should take from it that uh, 
is important. And this is not a time to be complacent, but obviously not for the reason Joe Biden is inferring. Mm -hmm. It's for all of us to, to start, you know, getting involved and doing what's right and getting behind the only clear choice Republican candidate that's going to win Donald Trump. Who we're going to be covering in our next segment. But as we're getting ready to jump in with Grant Stitchfield here, let's take a second to hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is handpicked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's a radio and TV host. He's also one of MAGA's most unapologetic warriors. We're really excited to have him joining us for the first time. Mr. Grant Stinchfield, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, man, it's great to be with you guys. Oh, it's been a long time coming, but we're finally glad to get you. News cycle's kind of spinning out of control. Now, for our Tuesday edition of the show today, we did see yesterday there was a lot of breaking news at the top of the political commentary pyramid both don lemon and tucker carlson apparently are no longer with their uh well media apparatuses and uh probably came as a shock to everybody that works in both progressive and conservative politics someone like you who's been in the game for a long time you actually shared a, a time slot with tucker back when you were at newsmax and uh to see him out at fox and then within an hour don lemon kicked to the curb as well which we all Pretty much saw it coming from 10,000 miles away anyways. But what do you think about the uh, ever-changing way that we're going to hear our politics now, uh, you know, from the commentary level? Well, selfishly, you know, I, I lost my job at Newsmax when Greta Van Sustern came to take a slot and had to fill a slot there. So now I'm thinking, I sure as hell hope Tucker Carlson isn't coming to 7 p.m. Eastern time on Real America's Voice, <laughs> because then I'd be bitten twice by those at Fox News. But I, I don't think he's uh, coming there. Um, look, it's a huge it's a huge loss for Fox. Now, I spent a long time in TV and I worked in traditional TV. And one of the things I always thought was funny was um, anchormen, pontificators, hosts, uh, are all all have huge egos and they all think the station they work for the network they work for will never survive without them i will say it's a huge blow for fox news but fox news will survive if you remember bill o'reilly was was it at fox news yeah. he was the guy they made fun of tucker carlson when they when tucker came in and what happened bill o'reilly went by the wayside no big deal tucker carlson i don't even think they took a ratings hiccup that slot, that network, whether we like what they're doing or not, I, I would agree they're moving to the center, but uh, that slot gets so many eyeballs. Whoever comes in there is going to be just fine. And you watch, they'll be doing 3 million people a night, just like Tucker Carlson. But he's a huge voice. And I have said for a long time that Tucker Carlson, in my mind, is the de facto leader of the Republican Party next to President Trump. And so what if, I just heard that Tucker Carlson was at Mar-a-Lago. What if Tucker Carlson either is there to tell President Trump he's going to run for president or was at Mar-a-Lago to be recruited as a potential vice presidential running mate for, for Donald Trump? 
I don't know. I mean, I'm just literally speculating and guessing, <laughs> but what a wild scene that would be on either of those scenarios. Yeah, we do know because we do host an overwhelming majority of the uh, former Trump administration officials who do media on our show, including a lot of Trump legal. Uh, we just had Liz Harrington on the show on Friday. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of rumors going around after January 6th that Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump's relationship had cooled. But now it seems like, you know, he went to the the Live Golf event down there uh, earlier in the year. He also worked a little bit with Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy, former Speaker Gingrich, uh, Devin Nunes, and a few others on, like, the Pledge for America that House Republicans were making during the midterm election cycle. And it seems like their relationship is kind of revamped back up. And I think probably a lot of that has to go with Donald Trump's one and only thing that matters to him, loyalty. Uh, you know, hearsay and rumors is probably why the, the relationship had cooled a little bit, but it seemed like they're doing just fine, which is kind of what I want to segue to next, Grant. So Donald Trump, obviously, you're all in for Donald Trump 2024, as are we. Uh, we've endorsed the president here on this show. And as I mentioned, we host a lot of former administration officials on here as well. Now, you're probably tracking this just as hard as we are. Over the last two months, Donald Trump has shot up in all the polls, even a lot of the ones that come out from the more progressive media outlets, which is pretty surprising to us when NBC, CBS, and Harvard polls are constantly showing him with 20, 30, 40-point leads over the next nearest contender. Uh, what can you say for what Donald Trump is now, almost eight years into his political career, uh, based off of what we saw when he first entered the scene back in 2015? Pissed off? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... I I think what you now have is a guy with so much resolve that uh, what did he say in one of his speeches? It was so great. He says, I will be your retribution. Yeah. And that's what we want. This is a much different candidate than we saw in 2016. This is a guy on a mission. He had made America great. China destroys it with the help of Democrats. Uh, he is now on a mission to make America great again, again. But there's more to it than that. We, we thought we were persecuted before as conservatives, as deplorables. We have never been more persecuted now than, than in, in the history of, of the Democrat Party, what they're doing to us, what they're doing to President Trump. You know, he always says, um, they're not just coming after me, they're coming after you. Yeah. And in many respects, I take a little bit of, I, I don't want to say I take a little bit of credit for that line, but the National Rifle Association takes should take credit for that line. When I was working for the NRA before President Trump was even running for office, um, a guy that I worked for that was in charge of messaging for the NRA came up with the line. They're not coming after, they're not just coming after us. They're coming after you. And he was talking about the national rifle association and, uh, nothing held true. It was the exact same philosophy. There is no difference between make America great again, Republicans and national rifle association. We stand Republicans, right? So, um, I don't know if president Trump took the line from them. Or whether it's just the same the same feeling, and because it goes back to America first Republicans are the same thing as Tea Party Republicans. When I was in the Tea Party way back when, it's the same movement, they're the same people. There's no different. They just change their name. So the same thing with the deep state, right? I didn't call them the deep state when I ran for Congress 11 years. I, I called them a ruling class of career politicians, yep. a ruling class of bureaucrats. I, I didn't know the name was the deep state, but it's the same thing. Nothing's really changed other than that they are coming for us harder than ever before. They're coming for President Trump harder than ever before. This is a man with so much resolve on a mission. 
I can see it in his eyes. I see it in his face. I know the man. I've gotten to hang out with him on, on multiple occasions. I feel like I know him pretty well. This is a different guy. He is on a mission like never before. We've seen it, and and we've heard it from a lot of the people who are on his team who come on the show. You know, a lot of the ones who are com- directly adjacent to him, his legal team, former administration advisors that go around uh, campaigning for other candidates who ran in the midterm elections last year and are going to be running again in the general in uh, 2024. And they say they cannot believe that this guy, for all the stuff that they've had to endure, I mean, they're all going under lawfare. They're all going under being smeared in the media everywhere they go. They have the FBI, the ATF, the DEA, and uh, the IRS showing up at their houses anytime that they want, trying to make them so exhausted for being part of what Donald Trump has going on right now that they abandon him. And for the ones that still remain, those are the ones where you could see that that he has undying and unwaving loyalty to them the same way that they do for him. Mm-hmm. But but you're right. This whole whatever he's gone through, and we we outline everything on this show, all the way from you know Spygate and Russiagate, all the way up through the impeachments, the Hunter Biden laptop raid at Mar-a-Lago. You name it, all the unprecedented stuff that's happened to Donald Trump throughout the course of his political re- career already, with surely a lot more to come. This has galvanized not only the base, not only the greatest political movement in the history of our country, but this has galvanized him to to be able to withstand all these attacks and, and continue to be the clear, defined leader of the party, which is what I want to ask you next. When you see the rest of the field, and there are a lot of pretenders in there, um, do you see anybody giving Donald Trump any kind of even a hiccup throughout the course of the presidential primary season? No. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm losing patience with Ron DeSantis, but I'm still a big fan. So I've said, uh, I've said for a long time, I don't want to go down this road of just like trying to crush DeSantis. Florida's a great state. I spent a lot of time there. He's done a good job there to think that he hasn't done a good job would be, would be disingenuous, but man, the guy needs to like back off and understand his place in society right now. And so I'm losing my patience with him. So I'm not going to be as nice as I am right now. And I'm not even being that nice. He's going to, he's going to start ticking me off um, more and more as he goes down this road of going after Trump in a way that he shouldn't be going after Trump. He's the only one though. I would think that would give Trump uh, now an issue. Now, if Tucker Carlson decides that he wanted to run for president, that's a game changer. And I don't know what that means. I still think president Trump, is the is the guy who wins he's still the guy that would have my utmost support but that would be a game changer in in the in the field of of uh presidential politics oh we agree speaking of of you know completing the other side of the spectrum here so by the end of our show today joe biden will have all but announced his plans to run for re-election uh laughable obviously the guy's been an absolute disaster from top to bottom everything from hires and policies to uh, you know past legislation and and just his physical presence anywhere on the world stage what does this say for the democrat party that they weren't able to figure out a way to do the old bait and switch and maybe get a gavin newsom in there as a candidate at the top of the ticket or someone else you know even 
I'm sure Hillary Clinton, if you really asked her behind closed doors, she probably would say I'd more than happy run again and against Donald Trump. But but to, to say that this is the absolute state, we know no one circles the wagons better than the Democrats. Um, I mean, look, John Fetterman's back in the Senate right now, enough said. Uh, but, but when you look at just the top of the ticket potentially for 2024, a Trump-Biden rematch, uh, what are we looking at here? It, it seems like this, this should be way more of a slam dunk. We're not going to be able to use the millstone well. of COVID anymore and uh, free for all mail-in balloting. There has been a lot of things cleaned up in a lot of states as far as voting goes. What, what do you think, though, about the general election matchup? I don't know that they haven't figured out a way to replace them yet. I, I don't know that's that's set in stone. Uh, I do think you'll see him announce, but I think he'll have challengers. And uh, Gavin Newsom would still be, I would imagine, the left's top choice. Now, he's going to have some real issues figuring yeah. out and defending what has happened in California. But a lot of liberals don't care about that stuff. They, they, they look at him as a hero, you know, good-looking guy, is able to speak, uh, he's, he's, I was just telling my co-host, we do morning drive radio in Los Angeles of all places, if you can believe <laughs> it. And and we're a very successful radio program. There are a lot of conservatives there. They're, they're just wildly outnumbered. I said, Gavin Newsom is not a dork. Problem with California politics. They got in the, in the state. I got a lot of Republican dorks. You know, these guys are just like policy guys. They're not men. Like they don't understand how to throw punches and how to win. Gavin Newsom's not a dork. Right. He's he he's a smart dude. His politics are totally gone, but I think he would he would be the guy. So I wouldn't count it out yet. Susan Rice announced that she's leaving. Yeah. So Susan Rice to me was the conduit between Barack Obama and Joe Biden. I thought Susan Rice was calling the shots. Now where's Susan Rice going? Maybe she's going to help Gavin Newsom. I don't know. No, it's 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 a good angle to take. And you know, when we we always watch those former Obama administration officials who are kind of slithering behind the scenes. I mean, we have everything unraveling right now up on Capitol Hill regarding like the repression of the Hunter Biden laptop. Obviously, Tony Blinken and a former Obama administration official ran point on getting the letter from the 50 former intelligence officials. And, uh, you know, complete, you know, that was like a, a legitimate face of what the Steele dossier was illegitimately. And, uh, it, it's just weird and wild to kind of watch some of these ones, especially Susan Rice, who we have speculated for a long time is is one of the major players calling the strings or pulling the strings for Joe Biden behind the scenes. So, yeah, we're going to have to keep uh, tracking on that, and we're going to keep tracking with you, Grant. We want to be able to direct our listenership for anyone who doesn't either enjoy the morning drive or, or watch you on Real America's Voice every day to find you. So if you want to tell us where we could find you there and then anywhere on social media, we'll live link it in the show description today. Well, you guys are awesome, and uh, and I love your podcast. I really do. It's one of one of my uh, one of my uh, listening lists uh, that it's on. So I uh, appreciate what you guys do. Uh, I've got a podcast as well. If you just type Stinchfield in any of the search engines, search bars of the of the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, all of them. Um, that's really probably the most important thing for me because it's about securing. Uh, your own future. As I realized with Newsmax, they can cancel you at any time. And so, you know, if you got your own thing going, uh, that's important. So for Stinchfield's Army members, please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Sign up for the email address at grantstinchfield.com uh, for the email list, grantstinchfield.com. And then Real America's Voice at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time every day, Monday through Friday. I heard that's a good slot. Very competitive. A little less competitive now, Grant. We want to see your, your numbers even going up higher than they already are. You've Appreciate always, that. Always been someone I enjoyed watching and uh, listening to, and we'll be looking forward to having you back on the show again soon. Podcast host, TV host, 
MAGA warrior, Mr. Grant Stitchfield. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. God bless you. You know, I enjoyed supporting him when he was president. We worked really hard for his reelection in Florida. And I always had a good relationship with him. And then once the midterm election happened, he started taking shots at me. I didn't really do anything to do it except do a good job. But that's fine. I mean, Sean, you know, when you're making things happen, you take incoming from a variety of targets. So that's just the nature of the business. And I'm happy to I'm happy to stand strong and do what's right. All right. Well, that was the governor of Florida, who's currently on a book tour. Uh, talking about how great things are in the Sunshine State. He's not running for president and is currently in Japan. <laughs> He's not running? Does anybody believe that? I mean, watch Newsmax and the commercials tell a different story that they're playing every few minutes. So who's paying, for, for, who's paying for those, though? They, I looked. It's, a, it's, I think, two different packs, at least at least one, possibly two different ones that I saw um, just... But that, that doesn't putting out round doesn't mean anything. They're just raising money and, yeah. and buying, uh, making commercials and putting them on. Yeah, but that doesn't count as him like actually coming out and saying that he. No, but going to book tours, especially in New York or all over the country, and when his staff is giving out DeSantis uh, twenty twenty four uh, paraphernalia, mm-hmm. then you're 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 shadow campaigning. Yeah. You know, when you go to a book tour and there's not one book being signed, yeah, that's shadow campaigning. Well, Ron DeSantis had, and I know we've been outlining him for like the last two months, probably one of the worst days he could possibly imagine yesterday. (laughs) And we're going to lead into just why that was the case. I do want to take a side note real quick. Sitting down with Grant Stitchfield for the first time, pretty awesome. What do you think, gang? Yeah. Guy's pretty pretty MAGA till he dies. He knows, uh, like a lot of the people who are at the top of conservative politics, especially in the commentary, section what it's going to take to get this country on the right track and it seems like uh i don't know if i necessarily agree with the fact that he thinks uh tucker carlson would make a good vp candidate maybe in a perfect world but you do need a little bit of diversity not equity and inclusion Mm. just a little bit different than donald trump to run on the other side of the ticket to kind of give you like you know someone who's not as much as donald trump as donald trump is and donald trump light no we don't want that that's Technically, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Mm, oh, yeah. No, Ron DeSantis is, yeah. Yeah, more like Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's where I was going with it, but, you know, yeah, minus yeah. the minus the cutting your wiener off. And pronouns? Well, actually, no, because the, uh, the Mulvaney thing, it's not actually a transgender. Just a, No, no, a, not, not trans at all. It doesn't even take hormones. Yeah, it's no. a personality. That's all it is. How yeah. dare you? Actor. Yeah, and, and really, like, I mean, there's been other other people that have addressed this. Like, Little, transgender people say, look at his body. He's not on hormones when he says he is. I think there's even a video of him taking uh, a shot of probably saline water, but I didn't come here to talk about Dylan Mulvaney. Yeah, well, and you look at, you know, it's like pointing out that you have a bulge. It's like, well, I mean, if you have, like, a body dysmorphia issue and you don't want to have a penis, then you're probably not going to talk about your penis. I, I think he was concocted, concoct in a mm. boardroom, just like uh, Liver King. Yeah. He was concocted in a boardroom. Go get your facial surgery. He didn't get the hair removal. From what I understand, his facial surgery that he got is easily uh, reversed if he'd like to. He didn't get the laser re- hair removal treatment to go along with it. And I believe this is just a grift. And notice uh, if you see him posting, he has not posted 
since the controversy of the Bud Light commercial. So he's been really quiet, and I'm wondering if he's having second thoughts on his life choices. Well, he's looking for the new, the new thing. The new thing. Or <laughs> maybe thing's not the right word. Much maybe. like the Republican establishment is looking for the new thing in kind of trying to roll out Ron DeSantis in what I consider to be the worst presidential campaign rollout in the history of politics right now. The gang over at War Room weighed in on them. Instead of taking pot shots at Ron DeSantis, let's see if we could take a couple at them and uh, listen to what Papa Steve had to say. Back, by the way, the timing of Governor DeSantis. Remember, I'm a big fan of what he's done as governor because um, I think Disney and these corporations have to be taken on and have to be confronted. Um, but I'm not a fan of this trip. I think it's very bad timing, particularly given all the controversy, right? You're not going to prove you've got international stroke by taking a couple of days and going to shake a few hands of the Korean trading companies and the Japanese trading companies and having a couple of photo ops. Just bad timing, not a serious idea. And Governor Sanders is a serious person. So he's just getting more and more terrible advice from his consultants, from his handlers, and from the big money donors. Governor Sanders, you just have to understand, hear what they have to say, and remember, they're always wrong. This just has a terrible look to it, particularly given the timing. Everything that's going on in Florida and everything that's going on really in this primary right now. And, and what It's you, interesting that he mentions like taking Disney to task and stuff like that because they didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be held up in court essentially forever. Mickey Mouse outmaneuvered Ron DeSantis. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you put it that way. Mm -hmm. He got beat by the mouse. Meatball Ron. Damn! Are we going to need him? We're going to need like a goofy chuckle now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, and and listen, it's probably for interview purposes as I pointed out yesterday. But but Steve Bannon put out a post on on Getter. I guess it was an op-ed in Newsweek that he wrote or shared. And the title is Steve Bannon eyes Democrat for Trump's vice president. Trump New Kennedy 24 National Unity ticket. I had to quote the tweet on Twitter because, you know, Grace is always sharing all their crap. And I'm said, and I said, I'm quoting now myself. Sorry to have to point this out because I see a lot of conservatives angling this maneuver, probably for interview purposes, but Robert Kennedy Jr. is to the right of John Kerry and is one of the founding fathers of the radical climate mafia. That's a fact. Yep. yep. He's also a big fan of taking your guns. Yes. Not just AR-15s, all of them. I loved how he fought for us as an advocate during the pandemic. But in regards to a unity ticket, Trump Kennedy 24, it's a hard pass to say the least. Absolutely. The Not only thing good about RFK Jr. is his stance on COVID-19. But there are, are videos out there that even show him. If you're not, he literally says, if you're not taking global warming seriously, you should be jailed. Yeah. And yes, he would love to take all of your guns. The fact of the matter is he is still a liberal, a very progressive Democrat. And that's really the only stance I agree with him on is the, uh, all the vaccine issues. Yep. And remember, RFK Jr. is a vaccine advocate. He always has been. But when it yes. came to the pandemic, when it came to the COVID shots and all the boosters and when the side effects and the deaths started racking up due to it, all the stuff that was affecting the children... As a vaccine advocate, he spoke out and said, hey, we're not doing this the right way. As a matter of fact, this is completely wrong. So loved it. But listen, you got to just take into context what people were in for and what their best interest is. When it's narratives like that coming out of the war room, it's just not. 
the hopium express that we're dealing here on steak for breakfast. We're talking more, you know, fact based. And, and when it comes to the people that Donald Trump is currently vetting for VP, I can resoundingly confirm that RFK Jr. is not one of the people. No. So I guess you could say it's for ratings, but let's get back to Ron DeSantis's bad day because it really was one. Yesterday, right about noontime here on the West Coast, Twitter lit up because Lee Zeldin. And again, to deconstruct a little bit for our listenership, after the midterm elections, it was rumored that Ron DeSantis was courting former Nevada senatorial candidate Adam Lexalt and Zeldin, the former gubernatorial candidate from New York, to be on his team as part of his election campaign in the Republican primary moving forward. Shortly after the midterm elections, Laxalt packed up his life in Nevada, moved to South Beach, worked on the DeSantis team during his gubernatorial reelection, and earlier this week it announced he's going to be running the, what, Run, Ron, Run Pack as the CEO? Yeah. We were the first to break that, now it's confirmed. And I did say Lee Zeldin was a 50-50 chance, but we had confirmed that the DeSantis team had courted him. But I also mentioned at CPAC, out of all the people who were in the audience... When Donald Trump pointed out Lee Zeldin by name and said, I love the work that you're doing and I look forward to working with you in the future. Yesterday around noon, we had this tweet come out from Lee Zeldin, his personal account. The GOP is filled with amazing talent to save our country from the failed policies of the Biden administration. Our nominee in 2024 will be the 45th and 47th POTUS, Donald Trump. Our economy will be stronger. Our streets will be safer. Our lives will be freer. He has my full support. Absolutely crushing because we know. Listen, during the midterms, Ron DeSantis was doing events with Lee Zeldin. And just as, as a few weeks ago, they did an event out in New York, Allen, and, and Ron DeSantis came and Lee Zeldin hosted it. Yeah, listen, it, it, it's no it's no strange news that, that Ron DeSantis' team was definitely courting Lee Zeldin. I mean, he opened up. Two events for him in New York, one in Staten Island, a law enforcement thing, and then the other, you know, not book signing in uh, recently near me. And not to mention, Ron DeSantis came to Long Island to uh, have a small Trump-like rally for Lee Zeldin while he was running governor. So I'm sure there were a lot of promises thrown around, but I believe because Lee Zeldin, in my opinion, is true America first. And I know for a fact, especially a couple of conversations I've had with him, uh, that he is a Donald Trump supporter and always has been. And I was I thought he was flipping. I really did. He thought he was flipping DeSantis. And when I saw that, I was surprised but relieved that Lee Zeldin did the right thing. And now being a New Yorker that I am and completely unhappy with most of the New York con congressional delegation. I want to see what they're going to do um, because they're not doing anything as far as uh, throwing support to a uh, Republican who's running or fake running for president. So they need to step up. Lee Zeldin did the right thing and I'm, I'm happy, really happy. And the day would only get worse for the Florida <laughs> governor as you think it's safe to know. I'm going to announce it. So next week, we've got a big show planned, another Monday special edition of our podcast. Donald Trump Jr. is going to be joining us for a special. We're really excited for that. We've been working hard behind the scenes to bring you guys, you know, everyone as close to the president and up to including him as well. This is obviously the next step for our podcast, which is growing in subscribership and popularity because of the narrative we, you know, get out to you guys every week and, and the way we cover the news. 
But he hosted Steve Daines yesterday on his show and uh, kind of put him on the spot. And just when Ron DeSantis thought his day couldn't get any worse, <laughs> this kind of went down. Let's hear it. And I got to tell you, the best four years I've had in the U.S. Senate is when President Trump was serving the Oval Office. You talk about results. We passed, and he signed a law, the greatest tax cut in American history. We transformed the courts, the Supreme Court, the circuit courts. We passed the greatest conservation win in 50 years, Don, the Great America Outdoors Act. We had a country that was respected and strong. You know, Joe Biden has empowered and emboldened our adversaries by his weakness. He just shivers under his desk during the day. And our adversaries now are getting increasingly bolder. And that's very, very dangerous for the world. And he's got one more thing that we got to finish up. And that is let's finish building the wall and let's finish securing our southern border to protect our communities. I'll tell you, Don, meth and fentanyl, the drugs are destroying so many Montana communities. And for these reasons and many others, I'm proud to endorse Donald J. Trump for president of the United States. It's amazing. So in eight, hour, in eight hours, you had Ron DeSantis getting killed for being in Japan on a book tour as a governor, talking about how he made Florida great, but not running a pseudo shadow presidential primary campaign. You have probably one of the most America first political figures out there. Lee Zeldin come in with an endorsement. And then later in the afternoon, you have the Senator from Montana, Steve Daves endorse Donald Trump. Guess what? He's the person that's controlling the reelection committee for all of the people that are going to be running for Senate in 2024. Yeah. And he's got some big donors behind him and where Kevin McCarthy in the house has already gravitated to Donald Trump and gives him credit for becoming Speaker of the House, who already has agreed to not to interfere in Republican primaries moving forward, but support the candidates who win their races in the general election. And now you have Steve Daines, who's running all the re-election and, and potential elections for the large number of seats that Republicans expect to win in 2024. It seems like the stars, at least on paper are lining up for Donald Trump. When you just look at the Senate map for 2024, the Dems have 23 seats up for re-election, 21 Democrat and currently two independent. The Republicans only have 10. Seven of those seats, Donald Trump won the ticket in that state in both 2016 and 2020. So you're talking about battleground, maybe three. And mm. the Democrats have all the other ones to worry about where there's going to be strong Republican challenges in places like... West Virginia, for instance, uh, maybe a three-way ticket in Arizona, which definitely favors Republicans when the three-way ticket is a Democrat and a former Democrat running independent now. So good news for the Trump team that the guy that's backing those election campaigns in 2024 has now given him his full and total endorsement. We heard from Donald Trump yesterday. He sat down with Greg Kelly after putting out a truth earlier in the day about Tucker Carlson being fired from Fox News, stating... The fact that Tucker Carlson is no longer on Fox News is a big blow to cable news and to America. Tucker was insightful, interesting, and his ratings were gold. He will be greatly missed. He alluded to that when he jumped on with Newsmax's Greg Kelly yesterday to uh, kind of elaborate on how he felt about the situation. Let's hear it. So Tucker Carlson was sitting here two weeks ago interviewing you. He's gone. What do you make of that? Well, I'm shocked. I'm surprised. Uh, he's a very good person, a very good man, and very talented, as you know, and he had very high ratings. So 
uh, we're just learning about it almost as we speak. You and I just said, wow, that was something. That's a big one. Uh, I don't know if it was voluntary or was it uh, was somebody fired, but I think Tucker's been uh, terrific. He's been, especially over the last year or so, he's been terrific to me. There's a lot of turmoil over there, Fox. I mean, 787 yeah. they just paid. Why would they get rid of a guy who's performing? Why would somebody do that to their business? Because they're, they're losing money right now. Their stock has gone down. Well, I was surprised that they made a settlement on that case. I thought that was a case that uh, should easily be won. And they made a settlement. Look, you'll have to ask them. I'm not, I'm not representing them at all by any, <laughs> we, by any means. But the Tucker uh, situation, again, you don't know if it's a firing. Maybe he left because he wasn't being given his free reign. He wants free reign, maybe. But uh, I was surprised by it. So? You know, not only did Fox News lose almost a billion dollars in their lawsuit to Dominion Voting Machine, uh, they lost just about a billion dollars on the stock market yesterday as their value dropped immensely overnight following the news of Tucker no longer being with the network. It's going to be interesting to see the ratings, too, whether or not that particular drop in value transmits across the board to that as well the first week will be a big tell and moving yeah. forward on who potential i mean they're going to have like an all-star cast come in uh you know and, and there's drama even going on today which is tuesday uh, regarding president trump he just put out a truth uh just within the hour and this is regarding the gop primary debates um that were apparently approved by the rnc donald trump said no about the primary debates today adding that nobody got my approval However, a person familiar with the debate planning process told townhall.com on Tuesday, which is today, that the RNC has already spoken to every candidate and or campaign about the process. So that's an interesting development. We know uh, the debates were all but fair in 2020, especially when you had Donald Trump fighting sometimes one and up to three moderators at the same time. Obviously, oh, the, yeah. the Hunter Biden laptop, et cetera, uh, comes to mind off top. But staying in this interview, Greg Kelly then asked President Trump about potential VP picks and where that's going. It's not going to be RFK Jr., don't worry. Or <laughs> War Room Posse, who also listens to Steak for Breakfast. We got you. Let's hear it. The time, but we have a lot of good people. I don't like to think about it too much. One thing I will say, and I've watched this stuff for a long time, uh, there's never been a vice president that's done anything for the election. In other words, they vote for the one person. Uh, I had a very good... Vice President did a good job till the end. I disagreed with him very strongly. I there still do. But I had a guy, Central Casting, he was, but I don't think Vice Presidents have any impact at all on the vote. And this is after a long time. You know, initially when you pick it, there's a little uptick, but then it just, you know, goes to where it was. Uh, but we have, I mean, more importantly, not for election, more importantly, it's such an important position. If something happens, that's going to be your president. I mean, that's really the position. And uh, we have so many great people. Your friend, President Nixon, actually said that a vice presidential nominee can hurt you. It can't help you. It can only hurt you. Yeah. Kind of interesting. I want to get to Nixon in a moment. By the way, Ron DeSantis. And we'll segue to, to Governor DeSantis in a second, which is like the cherry on top of the awful data he had yesterday. But I think if you, again, were finding the single between all the noise today, and I hate to use the apparatus reference. But here's the thing. All the people that are out there hoping that Donald Trump looks to somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Carrie Lake, or as some are proprieting, RFK Jr., 
Donald Trump says, listen, the person that steps into my shoes, God forbid something happens, will have to be as good as me or better when it comes to Agenda 47, when it comes to Make America Great Again, when it comes to the America First Agenda. People without the political experience, regardless of how much we like them as darlings, they just don't meet that criteria. So we need to take that into consideration. I would have to say... My top three, this isn't off of favorability, just kind of looking at it on paper right now and in no direct order. Christy Nome, probably Tulsi, Marsha Blackburn, who I think of off top. Donald Trump's most likely going to go with a woman. They're going to mm-hmm. have to be experienced. They're going to have to have some charisma. And uh, even when you mention people like Tulsi, like I get such a cringe off of that because of her past voting record. A lot of people say, oh, her move to the Republican Party and her shift to conservative politics is so genuine. We'll see. No. I gotta disagree. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to see her at all, anywhere near a ticket. I, I can't stand her. Christy Noem, I can go with Marsha um, Blackburn, and I know it's going to be a woman, but I would also throw in there that's um, not a woman, uh, Rick Grinnell. He's experienced um, for it. I mean, I also think that uh, Reynolds in Iowa, I think she's great as well. Big supporter mm. of the president too. Uh, you know, now that Lee Zeldin's on board, maybe his name starts to come. I would not mind that, and it doesn't seem no. like. I mean, Lee Zeldin isn't rip your shirt open with the MAGA across the chest, but he's definitely America first politician when you look at his voting record. Yeah. Um, Trump Zeldin, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it for the sole you know reason that I like Lee's from New York. Donald Trump is a New Yorker. I, I wouldn't mind that ticket at all. And as we're getting ready to key up here with Jim Nels, I got one more for you. We did tease it. Donald Trump did lay into Ron DeSantis a little bit. Talking about loyalty again, the one thing that's really important to him. Let's hear it. Wait, Ron DeSantis, do you think he could be a good president someday in like eight years, 16 years? I mean, you endorsed him once. He's got some talent. You're kind of crushing him right now. Someday, could he be president? Well, I endorsed him once, and he was losing badly. And because (laughs) of the endorsement, he won in a landslide the following, literally the following day. Look, right now, I'm very down on him. Uh, I'm a believer in loyalty, and I'm a believer in other things. And he has obviously not run a very good campaign because he's he's getting crushed. So... I really don't know. I don't know him. You know, I don't know him that well. Uh, I agreed to endorse him. He came over to see me. Uh, He was one of 100 people that fought a little bit on the impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two. They were hoaxes. They were just hoaxes. (laughs) And based on that, I did it because I didn't know the people he was running against. He was running against a man that was way up in the polls, leading by a massive amount. That election was over. When I endorsed him, the election was over in Ron's favor. I mean, it, it was Ron was getting ready to quit. So, I don't know, I, I'm very disappointed in him because I'm a, a loyal person, maybe to a fault, I'm a loyal person. And somebody gets you into office and the, then you're telling people, well, I don't know if I'll run against the president. You know, I mean, life shouldn't have to work that way, but it does, and that's okay too. A lot of people said loyalty doesn't mean anything. To me, loyalty means a lot. And there it is. Uh, we've been saying it for a long time. The 45th president of the United States has currently been saying it a lot. And whether or not his feelings are hurt by it or it's just one of those things to where he wants his base to understand, like, you're either in or you're out. I've put my neck out for these people. This is what they do in return. Unfortunately, this is how the world works sometimes. But moving forward, like, we'll see what happens. And, uh, again, another bad day. Start of the bad week for Ron DeSantis. We'll see where it goes. We'll be tracking it for our Friday edition of the show. 
But uh, right now we're going to get Jim Nels up on the phone and jump in with him. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's a supply chain expert. Also writes a pretty damn good editorial. He's joining us again, Mr. Jim Nels. Thanks for coming on the show. Guys, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Sir, it's always a pleasure. A lot of news breaking over the course of the last 24 hours. I think the one that's at the top, I think for shiny thing emphasis is the uh tucker carlson deal over at fox news probably not as big as don lamont getting canned at cnn uh just basically off of you know who tucker is what he kind of you know championed in at least the last year of his show on fox news and uh you know as we talked with raheem kassam yesterday the editor-in-chief of the national pulse there's a lot of people in the america first movement who aren't necessarily surprised by this we felt like it was going to eventually come uh whether he was going to walk away and announce that he was going to start a different venture or or the harsh cut like it was with fox news where after a show on friday they kind of told him uh that's that's kind of not really the the single you know that's a lot of the noise what we want to focus on is the fact that there's going to be a ripple effect from this because when you look at uh especially on fox news a lot of the journalists there that you know, everybody says that everybody in the mainstream media is paid up and, and controlled up and, you know, regime speaking points on for either side of the aisle. But when you look at Tucker Carlson, it, it, it really seemed like he made a genuine break away from the narrative that is of the Murdoch kids right now and uh, kind of did his own thing for the, at least a little bit more than the last year or two. What do you think is someone that's pretty dialed into everything that's going on with the news right now as you kind of watch this develop? Well, a couple of things. I mean, I think other than President Trump, Tucker Carlson was probably the most influential conservative out there um, when it came to speaking to people with R's and brackets after their last name. Uh, he really spoke for the conservative wing of the party, and it's going to be missed. Um, I've had to put both my mother and my aunt on suicide watch since they found <laughs> out that Tucker's been canceled because they don't know what they're going to do. But the interesting thing on the ripple effects, I mean, my goodness, I wish I was in a position where I could make a decision that would cost my company $500 million of market cap and still keep my job, right? If I had made a decision like that for one of my clients, I would be out the door so darn fast it's not even funny. What's going to be interesting to see is what happens to the rest of the Fox primetime players. What does this do for Hannity's ratings? What does this do for Ingram's ratings? And what does it do for Gutfeld's ratings? Is he going to be able to stay the king of late night if he doesn't have Tucker starting that four-hour run for him where Tucker brings in three and a half to five million people every night? And then they just kind of leave the TV on and see what happens. So that's going to be extremely interesting to me. Um, I, I think it's very interesting that if you look in one 45-day period, President Trump is indicted, James O'Keefe gets kicked out of Project Veritas, Tucker's gone. I'm hearing that Maria Bartiromo may be on a short list to be, to be gone as well. What's going to be interesting to see is what they do. Where does Tucker go? You know, I don't feel bad for Tucker. Tucker has more money than I'm ever going to have in my entire life. Agreed. And, you know, he's a smart guy. He's going to land somewhere. But where is he going to go? What is he going to do that's going to allow him to say what he wants to say to the most amount of people that he can totally get into? So we'll, we'll see where that goes. The other thing that will be interesting, just on a personal note, is what happens to all of his uh, stuff on the streaming service? They just put up like eight new documentaries. Does he own that or does Fox own that? And do they just bury it? Because there are a couple of them I wanted to watch. So we'll see what happens. And the last thing I'll say about the, the Tucker thing is Tucker Carlson is 100% responsible for Don Lamont getting fired yesterday. Because <laughs> I think the people at CNN said, hey, you know what? We can fire Don and no one's going to notice. So let's just go ahead and do that now while everyone's talking about Tucker. Yeah, it's perfect timing. Well, we did hear earlier in the show today that uh, hip-hop legend Rick Ross has offered Don Lamont a job at Wingstop. And 
Wow. <laughs> Says it's good to go uh, whenever he's ready. But, no, you make a lot of sense. What's going to be the fallout? Where does he land? You know, I thought for a long time that Tucker could probably just start his own thing, something like a Daily Wire or kind of what Dan Bongino has going on and just be okay. But, you know, the more I watch Tucker Carlson on, like, these podcasts where you get, like, the real Tucker, the one that swears, the one that talks about what he's like when he's not with Fox, the fact of the matter that even though he's a brilliant guy when it comes to, you know, Republican talking points, he likes to be pretty disconnected from the machine whenever he's not actually yeah. working. I don't know if that necessarily fits him now. So then you th start thinking about where his landing pads could be and what the biggest voice, you know, a as far as echoing his message uh, could be. And, and it, just a lot of questions arise. So you go go to Spotify with Rogan. It'd be interesting to see, you know, hey, listen, there's a couple multimedia companies that threw $500 million at Joe Rogan when he was falling out with Spotify mm -hmm. uh, before they told him they were going to lay off of him about a year and a half ago. So we'll have to see. Uh, Money-wise, I agree with you. I, I, I think he's going to be fine. But but as far as, like, what is his influence in politics going to be moving forward, hopefully it'll be soon because we're running into a really critical election. If Tucker Carlson goes off of his own words and talks about how important this is constantly on his show, then he knows he needs to uh, not take as long as a break as he probably wants. But uh, right. it, it's going to be interesting to see. So I kind of like where you went with that. All right, Jim, let's take it up to uh, Capitol Hill. We saw over the uh, last week there's been some big back and forth on the debt limit ceiling. Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden now for over 80 days have not met face-to-face. Karine -face. Uh, Jean-Pierre, as uh, late as yesterday, said that she, Joe Biden's not really interested in negotiating anything to do with the debt ceiling. And uh, until the Republicans present something other than what McCarthy introduced on, on the House floor yesterday, which was a sensible rise to the debt ceiling that's still less than, you know, the proposed limit, that Joe Biden has no intent to, uh, to meet with him again. What do you think, and how does this heat up over the summer? Because we're getting to a pretty crucial date when we have to make a decision on this. Yeah, no, I think it's a, a great point. Um, couple of things. One is I was not a fan of, of Speaker McCarthy when he went through the whole process to become Speaker. I was hoping for somebody a little bit more aggressive, a little bit uh, younger, you know, a firebrand type person. But I'll, I'll admit, I've been pleasantly surprised by how he's run his, uh, his leadership, his speakership of the House. He's, he's done everything he said he was going to do. He's given people um, a long leash to go and investigate some of the things that need investigating. So I'll tip my hat to, to Speaker McCarthy on that. Um, the, the plan that he's put forward, while not as aggressive as I would like, it's, it's a nice start. Um, you know, I like some of the things that they're, that they're doing with that. Um, Congressman Gates has asked for a voterama for a bunch of these different things. I would love to see that. So we get these people on record, but you're not always going to be able to do that. So, um, you know, I like what McCarthy's done. I think it's a, it's a wonderful start. He's really put Biden in a bind. I mean, two things came out from uh, Biden today. One is they announced that he's running for re-election. I'm not sure if he knows that yet, but apparently <laughs> they put together a video. And then uh, right before I came on with you guys, they put out a uh, press release saying that if by chance um, the the bill that McCarthy is going to vote on today gets through the Senate, Biden's already promising to veto it. Yep. So it's dead on arrival. But what's going to happen is the Republicans need to stand hard and fast. And this is a page right out of Steve Bannon's book. They can't back down when it comes to shutting down the government, right? Because that's what Biden's going to do. Biden is going to bet that they're going to do what they always do. They'll take it right up to the edge of the cliff, and then the Republicans will cave because they don't want to be seen as mean. What they have to do is start a, basically an all-out war, in quotes, not a real war, but a war of, of opinion, talking about what they want to do, 
every day McCarthy needs to stand up in front of the, the press and say, it's been X number of days since the president has done this. I'm inviting him to Capitol Hill. I'll go meet him there. I'll go to Camp David. I'll do anything. Every single day he needs to do that. And they need to push. And if it comes to shutting down the government, that's fine. Because let's be honest, guys, when they shut down the government, a bunch of people who don't really have any impact on the government get a couple of days of vacation, and then they get all their payback. So it's not really a big deal. We have to be willing to do that to drive home the point that we can't just keep spending money like drunken sailors. And as a former drunken sailor, I know how quickly I can burn through money. The government is worse than I was. That's some expert commentary you're weighing in there with. I like it. I think our listenership would appreciate it too. Well, the real question is, what do you do with a drunken sailor? Well, you bring him on steak for breakfast, of course. <laughs> Here we are. All right, Jim, well, let's segue a little bit, but stay in the same thread. You know what? I do want to, an excellent point that you make. I think I want to tie it for our uh, listenership that talks about the first two things we touched on, Tucker Carlson and Kevin McCarthy. I think a lot of people now are starting to realize why Tucker Carlson never followed up on that first big uh, disclosure of the January 6th investigation, uh, you know, when he was working with Kevin McCarthy, because it was probably uh, told to him behind closed doors that this is the beginning of the end. This is completely unacceptable and not the narrative that Fox News wanted to, uh, you know, propriate regarding January 6th. And it seemed like there was a, not only a steady downturn in uh, what Tucker Carlson was sharing, but then it seemed like right towards the end, he went hardcore exclusive interview with Donald Trump. He had RFK Jr. on there to blow up Big Pharma and, and talked about just about everything in between. Uh, you know, he was making memes of like John Fetterman as a retarded person. And yep. you, you couldn't really, it seemed like the blinders were just off and Tucker Carlson, you know, once he took control of his own range, just kind of went for it in the last couple of weeks there. But that's a good tie in right there. But I do want to talk about the budget battle because, uh, you know, it runs parallel with the debt limit ceiling and uh, it's also something that could eventually lead to a government shutdown if we don't get it, number one, negotiated and number two, passed by the end of this fiscal year. What are you hearing and seeing right now in regards to that? We'll have a government shutdown if the Republicans stand fast. If they if they cave, they'll do exactly what they've done before. They'll have some big omnibus out there. They'll raise the debt ceiling. They'll, they won't have a budget. They'll just have a big omnibus and they'll kick the can down the road for another year. And then we'll replay. I mean, it'll be Groundhog Day next year. And I think that's the worst thing they can do as we get into the 2024 election. They have to stand firm. The people who w want to vote for Republicans need to see them standing firm. We need to get Biden to a point where he has to take a position other than I don't like what you told me. Yep. He has to come out with something, and the only way we do that is to stand firm. Oh, that's a, that's a good point you make. And, and, you know, for as much as the Republicans bitched about the omnibus that Democrats were able to get through, uh, you know, right before the midterm elections, the one that, you know, is currently keeping the government open. When you look at some of the numbers right there, so you have Dianne Feinstein still out, so it's kind of an even vote in the Senate. And, uh, you know, with the Republicans controlling the House, they do have a lot more arm-twisting ability when it comes to getting some of the things negotiated out of the budget. And I've seen everybody from Matt Gates and Byron Donalds all the way down to a little bit more moderates like Mary Miller and people like that go on TV and just say, the reckless spending has to get out of there. The reckless spending mm -hmm. regarding Ukraine, uh, unemployment, and and government assistance for everybody, we just need to trim it down. And, e and even for the military, if we're loading up jets and tanks and munitions simply because we're sending all of our older models to the war in Ukraine, that's not an excuse to just like write a blank check to the military industrial complex and uh, you know reload it up again with new stuff because we want to give our old stuff all away. No, and uh, if you guys remember, a couple of episodes ago, I was on with you guys, and we talked about my article about that, that the Ukraine war turned me into a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> right? And basically that um, 
you know, being a military veteran and growing up very pro-military, I was always, you know, looking forward for the U.S. to flex its military muscle. But what we're doing now, I mean, the fact, if you even take away the military spending that we're doing for Ukraine, we're funding their own, their pensions. So think about it. We're trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. And we're giving Ukraine money for their pensions to pay their teachers to do things like that, where we can't even pay the pensions of our of our teachers, of our military veterans, and we're you know close to bankruptcy. So you know what are we thinking? And the other point on this is that if you look at the history of Ukraine, it really wasn't its own country right up until the fall of the Soviet Union. It's been invaded by everyone from the Visigoths to the Romans to the Soviets. So you know, you know, I think Ukraine actually means a meeting point or halfway point or something like that. So it's. It, it actually was something that, that people just passed through and then and tried to own. My, my bigger concern, flipping away from Ukraine, though, is that we're depleting ourselves to the point where we can't help Taiwan when, when the Chinese decide to go into Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And the Chinese at this point don't even have to go into Taiwan. They just have to put a blockade against the island, and that's all it's going to take to cripple them and to cripple the United States economy because we won't be able to get any computer chips out of there. Yeah, about 80% of, uh, you know, the global supply chain at some point or another uses the Taiwan Strait for trade. And uh, just when you think about a number that astronomical, uh, it would would turn the world into a different place essentially overnight. And if we actually have some sort of actual issue with China and they stop sending us all the stuff that they produce in China, which would hurt them financially as well, but it would cause our economy to go to a standstill as well. Yeah, not with all the new oh, yeah. friends that China's making as much in their wallet as it would ours, but it would definitely affect us here domestically. Jim, last thing I want to touch with you on, you mentioned uh, some of your op-eds. You, you had a recent one uh, published on foxnews.com. I thought it was a great read, uh, definitely a read that we all needed. you want to tell our listenership a little bit about it? Yeah, this is a very different article for me. Um, you know, last week I, I woke up and I said, I'm going to church today. And I, I've said to myself, self, okay, we haven't been in a while, but let's go. And, you know, as I, as I walked out of church, I had this just this feeling of, of, of calm and, and happiness and just hope. And, I, you know, I, I said to myself, boy, if, if we could get everyone in the world to feel this way for at least one hour a week, maybe we'd be in a better spot. Uh, but being, being an economist, being a numbers guy, I, I went home and I started doing some research. And what I found scared me. From um, 1937 through 1999, about 70% of Americans had a religious affiliation, be it, you know, a, a Christian, a, a Jew, an Arab, whatever. Um, it, was, it held steady at 70% all the way through 1937 to 1999. By 2018, that had fallen down to 50%. And now 47% of Americans report no religious affiliation. And that's really, really scary. Less than half of the people in America find themselves as religious. And what we've seen is that each generation becomes less religious than the generation before that because the children are exposed to fewer and fewer uh, religious things, such as even saying grace before dinner. So for example, Generation Z, uh, 34% of Generation Z is unaffiliated with any religion. Millennials, it's 29%, and Gen X is 25%. Churches these days, and that's all churches, uh, you know, all places of worship, have to replace about 32% of their parishioners every year just to stay even. Mm. Think about that. They've got to go and basically get one-third of their congregation replaced in order to do that. And it's having some devastating issues. Um, as people leave the religious communities, they don't really have anywhere to go. Um, 40% of Americans say they only have friends who are online friends. Think about that. Four in 10 Americans only have friends online. And 
God only knows who those people are. 12% of Americans report having no friends at all. We're seeing a, a scourge of um, single-parent homes. 24 million children live in single-parent homes right now. Suicide rates are up 37% from 2000, which is when we started to see a major decline in religious affiliation. And the, the, the thing is, there are a lot of benefits to religious affiliation. This is the part that was really interesting to me. The Mayo Clinic, right? This is not Jim. This is the Mayo Clinic. This is where you go when you're really in trouble with, with medicine. They did a study, and they found that people who are religious and spiritual live about four years longer than people who don't. They have better coping skills. They have a health-related quality of life that other people don't have. They have less anxiety, less depression, less suicide. And then when it comes to just the good to society, people who have a religious belief or religious affiliation, they're more civically engaged. They volunteer more. They donate more to charity. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, again, being an economist, I, I, I kind of look to, um, there is a, a French philosopher named Pascal, and he had something called Pascal's theorem. And basically it said, it's a better bet to believe in God than not to believe in God, because if God is a cruel God and you don't believe in him, you'll spend eternity in hell. And if you do believe in him, you'll spend eternity in paradise. So it's worth the investment every Sunday for 90 minutes to go to church. And guys, I think the world would be a heck of a lot better if everyone on a Sunday, a Friday, or a Saturday, went and spent a little bit of time self-reflecting and, and got back into religion. Yeah, when you see all the stuff that's going on in the world today, uh, you have obviously the trans movement and the big push that they're doing to normalize that. Uh, we, we've gone from like you know saying things like uh, child mutilation to gender affirming care in like a year, uh, just to completely. You know, you have the the. The incident that happened in Tennessee where the, where the transgender terrorist went and killed six people. And then yesterday, the three people who protested uh, that person's killing were invited to the White House and welcomed by Joe Biden. You know, that's yep. that's the world we live in today. It's exhausting to live in the news cycle. Even as a regular citizen, now you might be working two, three jobs just to make ends meet if that's possible anymore. And uh, there always seems to be something lacking. I think spiritual warfare is, a, is an essential component to all things political. Uh, I obviously don't get to church as much as I probably should. I'm not a creaster, but, you know, I, I still could probably get a little bit more than we do. It's just the work schedule and family schedule prevents that sometimes. But I do keep a, a daily Devo in my car and when I'm feeling really beat up and, and worn down, which I do at, tell some people about sometimes, and they always suggest that's probably the best solution, like you said. And uh, mm -hmm. I think it was a really wholesome article, probably one we all need, and we're going to live link that in the show description today. Um, yeah, and, and guys, I, I, I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I was going to judge anyone who didn't go to church, right? Because Lord knows that I am not the most, um, uh, what's the right word? I am, I am not the most consistent churchgoer. But, you know, when I went this time, it really made a difference. And I went back again the following week, and I'll go again this weekend and see how it goes. But, um, you know, I, I would never judge anyone who, like you said, life gets in the way sometimes. So sometimes you have to just be spiritual amongst yourselves and amongst your family. And then when you have the opportunity to go, go. Um, but it, it, it did good for me. And I think it could do good for a lot of people. No, it, it does. And, and when you, when you just think about, and you lay out your kind of life right now and where you're at, there's a lot of negativity in the world. If there's a component that's really lacking, and you might be able to tie that to something uh, spiritually based, maybe getting back in inside the halls of a, of, of a church or, or whatever, you know, religious apparatus you decide to uh, be a part of to make your life a little bit better. Jim, this was awesome sitting down with you again. Obviously, we love having you on the show. We're going to have you back in May, I think, a couple times, which is great for our listenership. Uh, we're going to live link the Fox News article today. Where can we find you on social media, though? Best place on social media is on Twitter at Jim6555. 
guy knows everything about the economy. He's a supply chain expert. Great friend of the show, Mr. Jim Nels. Thanks for joining us today. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. And right back into it. Seamless transition from our special edition show yesterday into our Tuesday edition of the podcast. What do you think, Noah? Outstanding. Two in a row. Two in a row. No pressure for Friday. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now over 230 other editions of the show, you can check us out across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, or even the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download this and like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. Obviously, the man who founded Just the News, John Solomon, great sitting down with him. Gives a lot of information, some breaking news as well. In addition to him, Grant Stitchfield. Awesome sitting down with him for the first time. And it's always a pleasure hosting one of our favorite guests, supply chain expert, Mr. Jim Nels. Thanks for coming down, guys, and helping make steaks great again. Can't emphasize enough, you got to get out there and throw some of your hard-earned cash, even in this bad economy, at all of our partners, because when you do that, you help make small American businesses great again, namely my pillow. Mike Lindell's got a couple court fees to be paying up, so no better opportunity than now to go and use promo code STAKE at checkout and get awesome savings on things like my pillow version 2.0. Buy one, get one free. They've also launched my coffee. If you enter promo code STAKE here, you'll get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the only headphones endorsed by Mr. Raheem Kassam can only be found at Odyssey. If you're getting serious in the studio, writing a little music, recording, maybe even podcasting. What do you think, Noah? Yep. <laughs> Get your ear needs taken care of and done up right. Ozzy.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. I man rubbed some beef ribs yesterday. And I brought them to Noah. I think he's going to eat them later. Oh, yeah. You'll have to uh, rate them. But when you enter promo code steak at checkout here, you'll get 15% off your total order. Manrubs.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Don't mistreat your meat. Alan, who sat third chair today, he's the CEO of the Patriot Cigar Company. He's got a 15% off deal for you when you enter promo code to take a checkout here. All orders over 100 bucks, free shipping. You're getting a $10 e-gift card included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. And our newest partner, Farmer Bill's Beef Jerky. You enter promo code to take a checkout here. You're getting five bucks off your order. You put together a 12-pack, you're getting free shipping. Check out all the great products they've got going on down at FarmerBill'sProvisions.com. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Friday. Gavin Wax and Caroline Levitt, they're both scheduled to join us. Should be a great show. See who else jumps in between now and then. Well, we've already announced that the cat's out of the bag. We'll be having a Steak for Breakfast special on Monday, the 1st of May, with none other than Donald Trump Jr. Really excited for our listenership to be uh, getting delivered that present from the gang over here at Steak for Breakfast. We're coming right back next Tuesday, 5-2. Eli Crane, Colonel McGregor, George Santos... And Lance Goodman, you get a trio of congressmen, and then Colonel McGregor should be a great show. On the 5th of May, Christina Bob, Ambassador Rick Grinnell, and Boris Epstein will be here. Brian Lieb, Jim Nels, and Trump attorney Jesse Benal will be joining us on the 9th. George Santos is back again on the 12th of May. So will be the official spokeswoman for Trump 2024, Liz Harrington, and we'll be sitting down again with Kenny Cody. Can't wait for that episode. Gavin Wax and Josh Hammer are joining us on the 16th of May. The lead pollster at Rasmussen Reports, Mark Mitchell, 
and Ambassador Jeffrey Ross Gunter are scheduled for the 19th. Mike Collins, George Santos, and Cash Patel are coming in hot on the 23rd. On the 26th of May, Brian Lieb and Jim Nels will be joining us again. So a great month mapped out for you guys, and we're just about ready to jump into it. So be on the lookout for that, and uh, we'll probably throw some others in there. Max Miller, Corey Mills, John Ratcliffe, Matt Gates, they're all supposed to be joining the show here soon. So we'll be updating you guys on the schedule as soon as it becomes uh, permanent. Let's see. Friends of the Week. We can never forget our Truth Social Twitch streamer crew. Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten, CSM Master, and all of their Minecrafting friends who love to share steak for breakfast content, as does some call me Tim79 on Truth Social. Some of our Twitter friends, Johnny Maga, Brendan Dilly, and the whole Dilly meme team. Mags. Let's see who else we got. William S. Ultra Maga Fran. Jillian's making it in again. She was sharing steak for breakfast content this week. I think that's about it, but you can't forget some of the meme team. Machiavelli memes, mostly peaceful. That Southern dude. Edward Russell got shared by Elon Musk. Congrats. Let's see. Let's go, Brenda. Madam America. Who white memes? I think we'll leave it at that. Just kidding. Right Wing Savages 2.0. Guys, thanks for remember between now and next show. Number one, do your own research. John Solomon unpacked quite a bit for us today. He also gave us some breaking news. You got to go check that out regarding the uh, narrative that repressed the Hunter Biden laptop in the 2020 election cycle and everything that led up to it. Number two, start a podcast. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. John Solomon was talking about American greatness again. I like the fact that he's dropping a children's book pre-order on Monday at Brave Books. We don't talk about American greatness enough. We need to start talking about it again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 233 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back 234 on Friday. So far, Gavin Wax and Caroline Levitt are going to be here. On behalf of the pod team and Alan, who's no longer with us figuratively, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Guys, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week, and take care. Don't want it anymore because you already have it. Tell me where it is before I lose patience with you, Francis. Help! 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 Go ahead and scream your head off. We're miles from where anyone can hear you. <laughs> Are you all right in there? <laughs> What's going on in there? I was down to you so you stole it! No, I swear it wasn't me! Help! Francis, we're, we're breaking the door now. Help!